Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, I fought that weekend off like Tyson Fury, man. Bobbing and weaving, <laughs> knocking guys out in the second round. Didn't yes, take sir. very long. No, it didn't. Fury. Oh, he might have me excited about boxing. At least to address it. Up and watch that fight. How about that? Okay, but you you better some homework. You better watch the U.S. Open if I did that. Better watch a little golf. I mean, come on. I got guys, Brooks Kepka and Gary Woodland, that might be able to take out Fury. Gary Woodland, um, maybe. Brooks Kepka. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Oh. I have a I have a bone to pick with Brooks Kepka. Really? Again. I do. How about that? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Stop being weird. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, golfers can be a little strange. Yeah. Not that uh, boxers are normal. No, no, no. Hey, I understand completely, man. I mean, Tyson Fury singing the Aerosmith song after the fight. Um, yeah, that, that was a little too aggressive for me, <laughs> but so be it. I, I get it. Getting the ratings in, in your favor and everything. But I will say this about Brooks Kepka. Had the swag on about 11 uh, Sunday. He was looking good. He was. Wasn't, wasn't rocking that 1990s Dallas Cowboys polo golfing thing anymore. No, he, no. Was, he was up to date looking good. So he, I, I was proud of him for that aspect. He absolutely looked good. Uh, and, man, I thought he was going to just do something crazy on Sunday after that first couple uh, holes uh, where it went 405 holes. But how about Gary Woodland? Pretty good story, U.S. Open winner. And really the connection to his story, how he started the year, makes him a fan favorite. you got to love the win. And we get to revisit what happened in Phoenix uh, with now his new friend over the last few months, Amy. And you know what? She was actually in Jacksonville the last couple of days. She watched him win the U.S. Open in Jacksonville. Where were you guys at? I, with the cameras, man. I know it. Well, oh. we, we, we've been in touch a little bit today, and uh, we may get a, a phone call from someone who was there today. But a little more on that story, the background story, coming up later on in the show. U.S. Open, uh, I don't know if it was thrilling, but it certainly was fascinating enough. Uh, really a two-horse race. The course uh, still spectacular. And then the criticisms I love, from the coverage to was it hard enough for a U.S. Open, we'll get into it. Oh, I can't wait for that. Uh, as well. Uh, Anthony Davis trade. Can you imagine what I pictured on Saturday when that thing went? Is that Saturday or late Friday night? Uh, Saturday. Saturday. Saturday evening. When that went down, Ty almost jumped out of his seat when he <laughs> saw it. And then I could only imagine what Coos looked like. Yeah. I, I got mean, in trouble. Coos was probably like... The rest of the weekend was gone. It was funny because I was at w- one of my teammates' fights. Yeah, there's an amateur card this uh, this last weekend here in Jacksonville. Actually, at the at the Jacksonville Ice Center, uh, they had they had fights there. So I was at that, and we're in the we're in the locker room getting ready and everything. And all of a sudden, everyone's phone started going off on ESPN, and Anthony Davis got traded. So we went from talking MMA to talking basketball a little bit because it was that big a deal, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought. You know, I mean, we could have saw that happen, but for the fact, literally right after the finals, and now all of a sudden we're, we're talking. Like I said, Brent, I mean, the biggest story is um, in NBA wasn't necessarily the Toronto Raptors winning; it's what's going to come after it. And uh, Anthony Davis getting traded to the Los Angeles Lakers is no exception. Yeah, it's a fascinating soap opera in the NBA. How would you get in trouble, Coos, with this story? I was mm-hmm. just telling Austin this. I, I took uh, my girlfriend down to uh, Disney uh, for the day. Yeah, I booked us this nice dinner. And literally, we're walking in. They just seat us. My (laughs) phone goes off. I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, man, Anthony Davis just got traded. I start 
throwing yeah. out all my opinions and everything, and I look Part up. Part of your job, man. And my girlfriend's staring at me. I was like, what? She's like, are you going to eat dinner with me, or are you going to be tweeting Part of your job, this? hey. Nicole? Duty calls, man. Sorry, Nicole, but this can happen from time to time. <laughs> if you need a uh, a support group, I'll give you my wife's number. <laughs> Duty call. Hey, and, and my, my wife's the same way. I mean, it, it, it was Sunday. You know, she wanted to watch some Food Network, and I said, nah, we got to run that U.S. Open. I understand Tiger Woods isn't winning, neither is Ricky Fowler. You don't know any of these guys that are up right now, but I got to watch it. Got to do her, my homework. Do I told homework. her she's lucky that uh, Big Brother's on during, the, like, the off season because we'd be fighting <laughs> for the TV. Absolutely. Uh, hey, a couple other things, uh, and uh, we'll get to the, the biggest one of all over the weekend, at least that hits home here in Jacksonville, in just a second but how about the heroes of omaha so far uh we don't spend a lot of time talking college baseball but the fact that florida state won they play again tonight we'll spend a little time on it jc flowers played at trinity christian austin martin plays for vanderbilt he hit two home runs yesterday in omaha well jc flowers was a hero along with drew parish for florida state on saturday in that one to nothing win i mean he made a great catch he scores the only run and he closes the game out so that's jc flowers from trinity for florida state and he's in action again tonight vanderbilt's austin martin just a sophomore hit two home runs mm. scored the only runs of the game and he too went to trinity christian okay in fact they batted one two in the same lineup at Trinity Christian when they won a state championship that year. I was going to say, you better win a state championship if that's the case. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool, though. And we're going to – so those are the heroes of Omaha so far, and they're both from Jacksonville. And we will have their former head coach, the head coach of Trinity Christian baseball team, Gil Morales, on at 4 o'clock. That will be a lot of fun because he's fired up. I talked to him this afternoon, and he should be fired up. Heck, I'd be on a plane to Omaha. Uh, we might have to do that For sure. if he ends up good. Uh, I don't think – can they end up in the championship series together? I haven't seen the bracket to that degree. I think they could. So I think they could play off in the championship series. Uh, so I'll have Gil Morales on. Uh, we will give away Guns N' Roses tickets. That was a big one today. Yeah. We are doing that at uh, 4.30. We teased 4.30. We'll do it at 4.30. I like it. Guns N' Roses get you going? Why not? Who doesn't? I mean, it's Guns N' Roses, man. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. That's not bad, right? Yeah, it's not bad at all. No, is this... I mean, I should probably ask this question before we start the show, but is this the full lineup, or is it just like... Is Axel replaced? Is Slash replaced? Do we know? I think it's the guys. It's, it's I, should the entire, look at, yeah. I should look that up without just throwing that out there, well, that's but... That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, we <laughs> so much should have probably did some homework for this, All but... I'm doing is giving away tickets. I'm not well, supposed no, to have music now. I mean, it's not like they're the pass away. No, I understand that, but you know, I mean, rock stars sometimes, uh, you know, there's yeah. back and forth. But no, I mean, by any means, regardless if it's a Guns N' Roses cover band, it's still awesome. <laughs> so I'd be definitely excited to get those tickets. We're gonna give away tickets. Uh, we're gonna give away a bunch of them this week, I believe. But uh, a, a set of tickets coming up at 4:30 right here on ESPN 690. Welcome okay. to the jungle. I love it. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the jungle. Uh, one other thing over the weekend, Jags related. Telvin mm. Smith, not too happy about getting fined $88,000 for missing mandatory minicamp. This is pretty interesting. We're going to talk about it coming up in just a bit. But he, did you see the Instagram post? I mean, he took uh, certain I offense. I don't have it. To, Sorry, yeah, Brandon, well, on. you can find it in other ways. Uh, honestly, I didn't see it. Yeah, people weren't. Yeah, yeah. he he basically said, he he essentially said, so I try to go get away from football to take care of things and get things right, and they find me. Mm-hmm. And used a uh, you know not so nice word in that, and, oh, and then also what, said what word? I mean, like an A word or F word? Oh, F word! Dang. Here's the problem: when we started this show, 
I uh, saw that he was on Instagram, so I sent him a request because his account is private. He has yet to accept me. So I can't see anything. That. Sometimes it takes a, a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, think saw, you think he saw your request? It's like, oh, snap. Justin Kuzar driving this podcast? Yeah, right off the bat. Let's add him. I mean, that's usually how it goes. Okay. Well, I think he was just waiting for Jalen to follow me. Yeah. <laughs> so now that that's happened, you've got a chance. But, you know, we're, we're going to get into it. Yeah. But there's a, there's a riff now here. Telvin Whoa. Smith and, and the organization. I think more on Telvin's side, at least for now. But my first thought is, hey, Telvin, tell the rest of the story, man. You didn't tell anybody what was going on. You didn't call the organization. And as far as we know, they might still not know what you're thinking to the fact you have a roster spot on the team. There's been no designation. And, of course, they're going to find you. Now, we know how fines work. If things get settled out and they, they come to an agreement down the road, maybe they they, they take those fines back. Yeah. But they have every right to, in my from what I can see in this story so far, the Jaguars had every right, and I probably would have hammered the Jags if they didn't fine mm-hmm. Telvin Smith at this point until yeah. we know what's going on, until they know what's going on. I mean, Telvin, man, you can't have it every which well, way in this situation. Yeah, I mean... And listen, I didn't know about this until you sent us the email this morning. I looked into it and saw his response, and I saw you know what uh, fans were saying, and it's kind of fifty fifty. You know, because yeah, some fans, fans even agreed with the organization well, on some this. Some did, a lot of Brent, them. but honestly, some were like, "How could you do that to the man?" Hey, but of course he's getting fined. But of course he's getting fined because and Telvin, man, I hate to break it to you because listen, I support you one hundred ten percent. If you have to get your mind right, get your stuff right. By all means, do that because it's more important than football. But at the same time, and let's not get it twisted here, I'm talking to any NFL player that's listening right now, the NFL is a business. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a business. Business will always outweigh loyalty no matter what you think. And the fact that the Jaguars are finding Telvin Smith right now, it shows you that it's a business first and loyalty second. And that's just the way it is, man. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can move on. Well, not not only that, but I think if you're the organization, at least you find them to to maybe get some response and figure out what's next. They don't even know what to do with the roster spot or with their money. Now, again, there could be more conversations down there. I know he talked to Todd Walsh. He's talked to some position coaches. He obviously has talked to players. But has he talked to Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, guys like that that are making the call on roster moves and salary cap issues? I think that's an important part of this. I think they know more than they've ever known right now about Telvin. But that doesn't take away the fact that they shouldn't have fined him. Maybe this opens up the communication between the organization and Telvin Smith. We'll see. One other bigger picture question about the Telvin's Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette's last couple of days of stuff that I have to at least ask in relationship to last year versus this year. It's all coming up. ESPN 690 Guns and Roses tickets will be giving it away at 430. A lot of special guests on the way, including David Garrard, scheduled to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. As we'll talk about that Hail Mary. That's my quarterback. <laughs> it's all coming up here on a Monday. Thanks for hanging on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I was throwing a lot of weight around today, so I'm a little sore. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I might have to get in the cage sooner or later. Okay. I'm feeling that good. Do you want to come train tonight? You got time? I already got one in this morning, man. Two a days, man. It's fight camp. Let's go. I'm Let's go. Oh, kid. he's like his neck's like, oh, neck's a little oh, sore, dead. man. Okay. Some of this weight is weights. I haven't lifted weights in forever. <laughs> and it shows. Yeah. 
You're looking good, man. That makes it feel any better. I mean, trying to get you compliments. I wasn't going to talk again until you said that. <laughs> I mean, I understand you're looking for the positive reinforcement, so I figured I'd take you there. You, you are the boss after all, so hey, yeah. I figured I'd give you some positive reinforcement. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, some Tyson Fury chat coming up in uh, just a little bit. Sure. I want to start off, though, with some jazz. we got a lot to get. A fun show today uh, with all the stuff with the U.S. Open and... Tyson Fury, uh, which was good theater at the very least, and, and I thought pretty good <laughs> boxing, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and it might bring back that heavyweight division. Maybe it's on the rise a little bit now in that sport that has struggled for so, so long. At least it feels like. Uh, but a lot to get to, a little, a little college baseball with all the Omaha stuff happening, and Florida State plays tonight. But let's begin with the Jags. I left off right before the break about Telvin Smith and this whole deal about him getting fined. I guess simply put, we just said, and we kind of agree on this, the Jaguars are in the right to find him. And I don't think it's that outlandish to find him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple of things that you've, you've got to pay attention to the entire story here with Telvin Smith. See, when some people were ripping Telvin Smith early on for sitting out, and the immediate reaction, whoa, 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 don't, don't rip a guy for that might be struggling with some stuff. And has some things going on, and he wants to try to get it right. And what does that exactly mean? We have no idea. So we guessed, and we guessed, and we speculated, and we wondered. Well, I do really think the players since then that he has talked to have helped clarify the fact that, listen, he's all right. He's not – this isn't a mental health thing. Mm -hmm. There are some things that he wants to straighten out in his life. What that means, we still don't know. But at least it's not like a, a mental health thing. Uh, that's one thing I, I believe we can kind of cross off the list based on what players have said to us over the last few weeks when we've asked about Telvin Smith. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's transpired. It was, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. This might be something really – and it could still be serious. I'm not saying that, but we're talking about the, the man's hell. Is he right? Is he okay? Uh, he plays a violent game. We've seen these kind of things before. Well, I, I think we've kind of pushed that theory aside. Now, what else is it? I don't know when we'll find out, if we'll ever find out. And, so, and you know, that's not our business, though, either. Like, I mean, not, as, as long not. as mentally and physically he's okay right yeah. now, that's all that matters. I you would know? love for him to, honestly. I, I wish I wish he would, I guess I wish selfishly he would come out and say something. Mm-hmm. Something, like, officially. Not on Instagram, not these cryptic messages. Yeah. Because he hasn't helped the cause in that regard whether it was the two videos and now this latest thing about being fine. So I wish he would just come out and say something, say a statement. Just give me, give us your side of it so we could do less speculation and we could understand it a little bit more. And it's you're right. It's not our right to understand it. Mm-hmm. I just think everything's so dang public now. And if you really don't want to stay anything in the public, well, then stay off Instagram, man. No, I hear you. You know, I mean, he again this weekend he fueled the fire. But Brent, once again, man, this is this is how the new generation operates. I get man. it, but you and can't it have it both it ways. Like I'm well, getting a little. Are you a little? I wonder what the organization thinks because even I'm like, all right, Telvin, enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we don't. Do we need another tweet from Telvin? Do we yeah. need another Instagram post from Telvin? It's it, this one felt a little empty, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Him complaining about the fine, it, it honestly felt empty to me, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. And that's why I'm saying, hey, let's give us more of your story if you want to put this stuff out here instead of the cryptic stuff. Uh, and we're just not getting that. I don't think yeah. we will get it. So we answered the question: Is the team in the right? And I would say yes. I think they are in the right by by finding him. They can do it. I think their idea here is, 
whether there's friction or not, to open up a line of a communication. Find him. Maybe then he comes and says, hey, man, this is why, this is why I don't want to give you $90,000. This is what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. This are my, these are my plans. Okay, now we have communication. That's mm-hmm. good. That helps solve things. That gets us on the same page. In my opinion, my view of this is they are not on the same page. That building, Jags headquarters, his camp, himself, they're not on the same page. Everybody seems to know a little of this, a little of that, but nobody really has a straight message of what's going on. What's the timetable? What am I thinking? Could I come back in August? No, probably not. I'm definitely st- sitting this thing out, and I might never play again. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I mean, give the organization a little bit of something, and then they might have a bit more, be more sympathetic in this situation, and maybe they don't throw the fine at you. You know, and I remember this, and I can't remember the year that it went down, but B.J. Raji from the Green Bay Packers yeah. did this same thing. And I forgot, I don't know if you can Google it or something, I can Google it to myself, but like he did the same thing, and he basically came out and said that he was going to take the year off because he had to get his family right, and that was the explanation. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he contacted Mike McCarthy, the head coach at the time, right away, and they worked something out where he was still part of the Packers, and I don't think he ever got fined, if I'm not mistaken. Once again, don't quote me on that, but this is just from my my memory right now because we're on the topic. And I don't believe B.J. Raji ever really played again for the Green Bay Packers after that, but the fact that he gave him the courtesy, he kind of gave him the heads up and said, listen, man, um, I got some things going on with my family. Uh, I got to go, and I can't play this year. So be it. And I'm pretty sure that the Packers didn't find him after that, which, listen, they still had every right to. But since there was a line of communication, since there was the dialogue, they chose not to. I mean, every team has the option, Brent, to either find somebody or not. Yeah, they do. And what the Packers did, well, I think it was a rare occurrence. I think the fact that Raji was in touch with the Packers helped him out a lot. But, you know, in the case of the Telvin Smith saga here, uh, the fact that he hasn't been um, talking to Tom Coughlin, he hasn't been talking to Dave Caldwell, I mean, like I said, it's a business first. So... Um, I just, I can't come with Telvin on this one where it's like, you know, and listen, I'm, I'm going to be pro player all the time, Brent. You know me. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I got the players well, back all the time. Well, you were on the Telvin but, front the whole well, thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, as far as this is concerned, I'm like, yeah, this is just, it's part of the business, man. And, and it is what it is. Like, kind of like how Telvin made a business decision where he didn't want to play this year, whether it was for, and it was just a business decision. It was a family decision or it was a mental, whatever, whatever the decision was for Telvin, it was still a business decision to the Jaguars. Yeah, and and I know, now the Jaguars are countering with a business decision of their and, you know, I know this sounds a little silly, and, and it probably is, but if you're telling me that you've got stuff to take care of, and and you might, and everybody's giving you your the, their blessing on that, said, hey, go take care of your stuff, yet, and, and I'm not saying, like, you have time because it takes, like, 30 seconds, but you have the time to deal with putting... Instagram videos out there and Instagram posts out there that you know are going to raise questions and get people kind of fired up. So I'm trying to deal with stuff, but I have time to deal with this, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, OK, which is this an act? You know, is, is there a little seek of attention on Telvin's part that we're missing? You know, so, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to understand what, what's what's going on with Telvin Smith right now. And. I don't know where it ends with Telvin Smith either, but we've both said again, I mean, the, the organization has the right uh, to, to at least find him. Bigger pick, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it is what it is uh, with Telvin Smith and, and with this latest deal that he, he was disgruntled at, at getting fined. 
But it did cross my mind. On Friday, we talked about Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, it's Telvin Smith. Yeah. Well, the, I feel like the whole offseason, I've said this word maturity a lot. And I've said, okay, as this team has a chip, have they learned from what's last year? There were things inside that locker room that happened last year, uh, off the field, on the field, that just felt disconnected. That felt like it contributed to not having a great season, a very disappointing season. In fact, arguably the most disappointing season in franchise history. There were things that were going on. And that happens when you're losing, first of all. It gets more public. But it was happening. And there's a lot of belief that some of the things that happened happened telvin smith related Mm -hmm. we know there are things that are happening leonard fournette related and we can't forget that jalen ramsey kind of started the whole thing with the gq magazine and all the 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 quotes and and everything else but here we are again a month out from the season and jalen leonard telvin jalen leonard telvin you Mm -hmm. know and and i think the jalen leonard stuff was fun the other day yeah but Everybody's talking about stuff off the field, um, and but, it's totally just unrelated to, to to Telvin Smith stuff on Saturday. Yeah, and his situation it is. So don't don't misconstrue that. But is it always going to be Jalen Leonard and Telvin win or lose in the headlines, distractions, whatever you want to label it? Well, I mean distractions will. We're we're the ones that are making a distraction. Well, they're, yeah. they're, I mean, how how, you, how we respond know to it? we're going to make it a distraction. Okay, Brent. But if people are going to watch and everything, then why not? You know, like like we talked about, Brent. This is helping their brand out. And yes, it's going to be Jalen Talvin and Leonard Fournette. Well, number one, because Jalen and, and Leonard Fournette are probably the two biggest cogs right now in the Jacksonville Jaguars. If they don't play well, the team's not going to play well. With all due respect to Clias Campbell, but you don't have to worry about Clias Campbell doing stuff. You know, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. a pretty low-key kind of guy. So I'm saying from the guys that are active on social media, the, the, the guys that are in the spotlight, yeah, it's going to be Leonard Fournette, and it's going to be Jalen Ramsey. Now, Telvin Smith as well, because he's more of the vocal leader. He was the vocal leader of that defense. He's from Florida State, so he's kind of got ties as well a little bit to the, to the community. So he's a popular guy as well. But from getting back to the, the the Jalen and then Leonard Fournette thing. I don't know what the coaches are thinking of. I mean, honestly, and I don't know the coaching staff completely. Um, you know, I got a chance to play underneath uh, Todd Wash a little bit, yeah. and then I know his personality. If I'm a betting man, I bet, you know, one of the first days at training camp, they're going to post one of those videos up there and make fun of it. Yeah, and yeah. Todd Wash is going to be like, what were you thinking? You know, I mean, just it's not that big a deal, I feel like, number one, to the locker room, and number two, uh, to the coaches and everything. I mean, it's just a couple guys, um, you know, talking like they were in the locker room. And people want to, you know, people can think however they want about it. I understand people can be frustrated from hearing Jalen say, I want a new contract just because of, of the bad season of the prior year. But for the most part, Brent, it's just, and like I said before, this is just how the new generation operates. Man. Yeah. Well, you you just did a good job of saying it really. What, see, I think it's fun for all of us. I had nothing, I have no problems. We talked about it a little bit on Friday. I have no problems yeah. with the Jalen Leonard stuff. I mean, it's fun. It's entertainment. It is the branding that we've talked about. And now I can't say anything bad about Jalen because he don't block me. But, uh, but I'm just saying I'm saying more inside. You know, as you're trying to get things right, it's all about football as this camaraderie, chemistry. However, throw all the words you want out there. Yet inside does it kind of rub some of the coaches the wrong way in people inside the building the wrong way. Uh, and and again, that might not matter. And usually, it doesn't matter until you start losing. Mm-hmm. 
but are we going to see more and more of it, or is this team that's just going to go out and handle its business and play football? And I, I think that's what I'm asking. And not for us. This is entertainment for us. It's fine. You're talking about the co- uh, I'm talking about, manager? Is, I'm just talking about this team. Are they going in that locker room? Right now they're going in that locker room last week, and they're talking about Miles Candles. Yeah. <laughs> no, right? for sure. Next time when they come back, they're talking about Jalen's contract and his live stuff with, with Leonard Fournette. And I, I don't know cool. if they're still talking about Telvin Smith and, and all that, but it just seems like there's this – there can be a disconnect on that this stuff. Is, this is what the guys talk about in the locker room, and I'm sure coaches already know that. I'm sure that exact conversation that you saw Jalen and Leonard Fournette have on whatever the, the Instagram live, they probably had with the coaches as well. Yeah. Maybe Jalen went up Todd Washington, you, you better pay me because it's going to be no discount, man. Like I'm telling you, it's not that big a deal at all. And a little follow-up quick to him, uh, the whole uh, BJ Raji thing I was talking about. So March 14, 2016, he announced his retirement but said he left it open, uh, saying he's going to take a hiatus and come back. He never came back. Okay. Um, he's still retired. But maybe the fact that he said he's going to retire for a little bit had something to do with it as well for him not getting a fine. Because they knew what was going on. Still don't know what's going on with Delvin Smith. Yeah. We come back with a U.S. Open talk, including a special moment that actually partly happened right here in Jacksonville, Florida, next on ESPN 690. I like the way that sounds records are meant to be broken. I mean, everybody says it, but th- that's what I told myself, and I believed that when I went to sleep last night, and I believed it when I woke up this morning. You know, all those past experiences, those 0 for 7, have led me to where I am today. I can take the good out of that, and I can forget the bad, and I can move on, and today, I stayed in the moment. I relied on those good memories on times when I played good under the gun, and I was able to pull it out. Gary Woodland able to pull it out, uh, wins the U.S. Open, the 119th U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And I'll tell you what, these guys are unflappable now. That's the thing that sticks out to me the most, is that these are it's – a, it's a nerve-wracking game. I mean, you have got to have your nerves in control to play that game uh, in tight moments, in big moments. He has not been there a lot, not been there in majors like this. Um, so I think the fact that he was able to stay so – Calm and cool, especially with Brooks Kepka coming up right behind him early on, uh, was really good. And, and the shot on 17, uh, it, if you saw it, uh, chipping off the green showed it, uh, probably the most. And then Brooks Kepka kind of let the 18th hole be less dramatic because he wasn't able to make birdie. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Gary Woodland wins, uh, the U.S. Open. I think it's going to be a popular win and we'll tell you why in just a, a couple of moments. Overall, though, Brooks Kepka continues to put up this crazy show uh, these in these major championships. I mean, to finish second, finish second at the Masters to Tiger Woods, wins the PGA Championship. I mean, he is just on an incredible run. I mean, an absolutely incredible tier over the last uh, couple of years and doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Although I will warn people this. This is golf. And golf changes <laughs> and golfers change. And I'm not saying everything like happened to Tiger happens, but things like that happened to Rory McElroy and Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson. And they happen. And, and we always, we always think in the moment they're going to go on and win 12 majors and they're going to be the next Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. I just say pump your brakes on that a little bit. Brooks Kepka surely looks the part. He's cool, he's calm, he's got the mentality, he's got the game. But the game does go away from month to month, year to year. I I I don't think this guy is about to win four of the next 10 majors even though he's already won 
four to the last nine. Yeah. I, I just think it's so hard to do. And you get stories like Gary Woodland. Nobody would have picked Gary Woodland. And, he was and, a seventy-five to one shot to win the tournament. And and but he's got the game. There's so many good golfers. But what was amazing to me about Woodland is he had the attitude and he had that unflappability about him. He was cool, man. I mean, you could hardly tell he was breathing half the time. <laughs> it's fun to see. I mean, can you put yourself in that? But you've been in some anxious, anxious moments, oh, yeah. obviously on big stages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to control your breathing. Yeah, I mean, you saw me at the PGA Tour simulator. Uh, <laughs> I hit about three yes. shots, and I was literally the heart rate is at about 180. So, yeah, it, it is hard to, um, to try to get your breathing down, especially, you know, like in a sport where every shot matters, where it's literally a game of inches, not to sound cliche, but it, it really is, you know, and one little you know, misstep here, one little misstep there can cost you a championship. So, yeah, the guy definitely had ice water in his veins. Like, like I said, I would, def- I was watching it much to the chagrin of my wife, uh, and I thought for sure Brooks Couple was coming. You know, I thought um, he had the eye of the tiger, if you will, and he, he looked like he wasn't going to be denied. But shout out to Gary Woodland for keeping him off, man. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, South Beach Gary joins us now. I wanted to jump in on the golf talk. What's up, man? Hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, you, you guys too. The song of the day is going to be a Piano Man by Billy Joel. Uh, you know, I love nothing against Pebble Beach. I love Pebble Beach, and I know Jack Nicholas is quoted as saying, "If I had one round of golf left, it would be at Pebble." But uh, Brent Austin, I like where par is tough. Where U.S. Open's uh, even par. If I want to see thirteen under, I can watch the John Deere Classic or any other tournament uh, out of the year. I, I I like to see the guy struggle. I like. Hip high, rough. I like to see the guys struggle. Where par is a good score. I like when the USGA is quoted as when the golfers say they tried to embarrass us. The USGA says we're not trying to embarrass the best golfers. We're trying to identify the best golfers. And I, I want to see where even even one over wins. I don't want to. And I love double guys. I don't want to see thirteen under win it. Yeah, listen. Thanks, like, all right, you got it, man. Uh, so, is this the narrative that the course is too easy? Is yeah, this what we're doing now? Yeah. Oh, it, great. Here it, we go. It, well, and this is what happens. U.S. Opens are meant to be around even par. That's the idea. There's two things going on here. One, the USGA could not screw it up. They just couldn't. And they, they've screwed too many of them up in a row. And so, this one had to be great mm-hmm. uh, the, for the players. This was more about the players than the fans. And I think. That's why the course, I don't want to say played easier, but they never like baked out the greens. They never got super crazy, which, which they do yeah, in, in these you. U.S. Opens. Yeah. But the biggest thing that happened is the wind did not blow like it usually blows. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And if that had happened, I think everybody would have been 10 shots less. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. It's mm-hmm. all about the wind. It's about Mother Nature. See, whether it's player's championship whether it's any tournament, a lot of these are designed on Mother Nature. It's the same thing that we're going to get in well, the Open Championship. If the wind blows in, I think it's in Ireland this year, well, then the scores are going to be down. If it doesn't, the scores are going to be pretty good. So forgive me if I offend any golfing fans here. Um, this is just how I feel about it. Friday, we were talking about how the courses were too hard, and Phil Mickelson had a two-putt, and he was upset about it or whatever, and they had to change the things. They had to make the courses easier for the golfers. And I went and said, they're golfers. They all have to adjust to it. They're all playing on the same conditions. Suck it up. And now the narrative for this one at Pebble Beach is the fact that it was way too easy, and people are upset because you know people are shooting over five under par or whatever, and now people are saying it was way too easy. And 
And once again, they all have the same course to play. Tiger Woods was 11 shots behind the leader. I thought Tiger Woods was one of the best golfers in the world. Dustin Johnson, who was favored to win the tournament, was one over. I thought he was supposed to be the best player in the world. But now we're talking about, oh, yeah, the course was way too easy. It was boring to watch. I mean, I don't know. I guess you people should probably find a different sport to watch then because nothing makes you guys happy, honestly. Yes, well, and that's, that's what I, I said. About I think people complain about the setup on golf courses more than anything else. I mean, shout out to Gary Woodland. You dominated, man. You hit, what, what 12, 13 under? Whatever it was. 13 under. You 13 played under. great. Yeah, you played great. Congratulations. Every golfer had the exact same opportunities, and he, guess what? He was the best golfer that day, so I don't see any problems with it. That's just me, Brent. Sorry for I th- turn our fans off. I are- think you should go caddy. <laughs> I think you should, Austin Lane. Uh, Let's do speaking it. Speaking of caddies, or caddies' wives... Uh, Michelle Tesori is joining us on the phone right now on ESPN 690. And there's a backstory to all this. First of all, hello, Michelle. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, the story behind Gary Woodland and why everybody is cheering this win today, I think, in sports across the globe. How, no, it doesn't matter how big of a sports fan you are, how big of a golf fan you are, is because of this young lady, Amy Bockerstadt. I think I have her last name correctly uh, pronounced. Um, but... She has Down syndrome. They played the 16th hole together at TPC Scottsdale uh, a few months back, back in February. And if you haven't seen the video, you have to go see it. But I think it was one of the most viral videos of the year. So I think many of you have seen it. Gary Woodland was so genuinely fantastic (laughs) in that connection with Amy during that that playing of the hole at at, uh, TPC Scottsdale that I think he won a lot of people over. I think it was one of Gary Woodland's best moments. I think he said it was his best golf moment, and I'm not sure even this one would have trumped it, Michelle. You know the tour well. Your husband, Caddy, on the tour, Paul Tesori, for Webb Simpson, who won the Players' Championship a couple years ago and has won the U.S. Open. Uh, how how big is this win in the golfing world uh, for a guy like Gary Woodland? Because I know he's so well-respected. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I we don't know... Um Gary and Gabby as well as we would like to, and actually we know them under sad circumstances and got to know them better. Um, our son Isaiah was born, and we had some challenges when Isaiah was born, and the golf community rallied around us. And a couple of years later, um, when Gary and Gabby were pregnant with their twins, um, and they had a, a really terrible um, experience, and unfortunately only Jackson is with us, um, their son, but they're pregnant with twin girls again right now, which is super exciting. That is cool. Um, so, <laughs> so I can't speak for the rest of the golf world, but what I can tell you is that at our home in Ponte Vedra, Florida, last night, everybody here was thrilled. And actually, Paul was, um, we FaceTimed Paul just before and then again after as he was headed to San Francisco to jump on the red eye to come home. Um, I could not be happier for them. This is not about me or about Paul or even about our son. Amy is an incredible blessing to the world, and I was fortunate enough. We we had planned this dinner for weeks and weeks and weeks. They were just going to be in town. Um, Amy's dad, Joe, was honored by Golf Week um, earlier a couple days ago as Father of the Year for Father's Day. Then the tour arranged for them to do a couple things that – you know, yesterday and, and today. And so um, Jenny and I coordinated dinner for our families last night. And dinner for our families turned into a celebration of Gary Woodland and Amy Bockerstedt and their win at the U.S. Open, which is 
incredible. Yeah, it's so cool. Michelle Tesori with us. Uh, Michelle's husband, Paul Caddy's for Webb Simpson. By the way, nice finish out there at Pebble. <laughs> Top 20 finish for Webb. Who's really been playing great golf the last couple of years. Thanks to Paul. Uh, he's a big part of it. Um, but So if you're just catching on to this story, Amy and Gary Woodland have this special bond. In fact, they FaceTimed from Pebble Beach to Jacksonville, Florida, because Amy was watching at the Tesori's house this whole thing uh, play out uh, last night in the final round of the U.S. Open. So the watch party was here in Ponte Vedra uh, in the Jacksonville area, even though they were watching Pebble Beach. The, this, can you? Di- I saw some of the videos that you guys had on Facebook and you tweeted out, but uh, how special is Amy, first of all, and how emotional kind of was that watching? Uh, you've watched it from different angles over your, your lifetime. Uh, how, what was this one like? Yeah, so there you go then. Okay, so we'll get to the emotional thing in a second. I'm going to keep it together (laughs) for a minute. (laughs) Um, Amy is incredible. And um, the reason that they were here at dinner last night is I, too, saw the video from from TPC, and it was the end of January. And um, I, I can't imagine how many hundreds of people sent it to me, but if you know me and you're listening to this, you were probably one of those people who sent it to me to say, hey, you got to watch this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we happen to have a son who also happens to have Down syndrome. So this video was a very big deal. It is the number one um, viewed video of the PGA Tour of the year. I was there this morning, so I know that is a fact. <laughs> I was there with Amy and her family this morning with Isaiah. Um, and I reached out to Jenny um, Amy's mom and I just introduced myself and said, Hey, listen, you had an opportunity with your daughter. Uh, it is really unheard of on the tour. And it was incredible as a mom to watch your daughter and how well she carried herself. Just wanted to send love your way. This is what my husband does for a living. John Wood is a dear friend. He actually wrote a song for Isaiah. John is Matt Kuchar's caddy. He was in that group that day. And I just said, we have friends in that group, and what an incredible opportunity for them to be exposed to something they aren't typically exposed to, and look how the world has responded. And Jenny and I became fast kind of texting friends. And about a month ago, she texted me and said, you're not going to believe this. We're coming from Arizona to Ponte Vedra. And I said, cool, you want to stay at our house? (laughs) She's like, maybe? (laughs) You don't know us. I'm like, oh, we're fine. Google us. We're completely safe. Um, <laughs> Which is true. I can I can say it's that. It's true. It's true. You know it is. So anyway, they had all these commitments. And obviously, no, I mean, we're talking weeks and weeks ago. And so we just decided we were going to have dinner. And I called a very popular local restaurant. And their only reservation time was 9.35 p.m. on Sunday night for Father's Day. So we decided we would not go there and we would find an alternative and in the middle of church yesterday morning, I got a text from Amy, and it said, hey, instead, am I allowed to say a restaurant name, Brent? You sure. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. All right. You're welcome. And if they want to sponsor the foundation or Amy or something, they, they can. She texted me in the middle of church and said, instead of going to Cantina Louie in Nocatee, which was our plan, do you mind if we crash your home and watch the U.S. Open and watch Gary hopefully win this thing? And I said, are you kidding me? You got it. So, true story, I had not showered yesterday. That is a true story. I had not showered yesterday. I'm basically a single mom of a five-year-old, and it's a little chaotic, and yesterday was kind of nuts, and they get here, and I have an opportunity as a mom to watch this young lady who has 
the confidence that as a parent you wish for your child. And when you have a child that's a little bit different, you worry about things like that. And my bond with her parents is that Paul and I pray about this for our child every day, that the world would see him as he is. And Amy and the opportunity the tour provided to her through the Special Olympics, the world got to see a young lady with Down syndrome and just see her for who she was. The Down syndrome portion was just secondary to that story. She's an incredible golfer. She did not want Gary's help. He offered to hit, but he actually offered to pick the ball up out of the bunker for her in Phoenix. Yes, I remember that. And she's like, no, I got this. <laughs> and that is, I got this. Um, can you imagine if we all lived our lives with the joy that the Amy's and the Isaiah's live this world with without worrying about what people think about us and the confidence that is not cocky, but is that in themselves, I'm good. I'm good with me. I'm okay with me. And what happens is the world surrounds our kids and they tell them they're not good enough because they're different. And Amy's parents did something raising her that Paul and I need to watch and soak up and learn from, from everyone who's come before us. And last night I got to watch her celebrate this thing that she loved so much. She loves him. I, I cannot tell you how many times in three hours she said, I love him. Or she said, everybody stop talking, Gary's hitting the ball. <laughs> Quiet, please. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, please. Um, Amy decided very early on last night that she was really only interested in my company, and her parents still love her very much. But um, I, she... She took to me early, which is amazing, and I was so thankful, and she basically wanted me to sit on her lap, and that's about how close I was staying to her for three hours that's last awesome. night. Um, her mom forced a potty break. True story. Jetty forced a potty break on the 17th hole during commercial time for both of us. We both had to go. <laughs> um, so that we could be prepared, and she didn't want to go unless I went because she didn't want to leave me, um, which is the sweetest. Um, she was only interested in doing things on my phone, Last night, um, thankfully, the tour, um, because God put us in this incredible position, the tour, we told nobody that they were here. Um, they found out we were here off a tweet of Amy's, I believe, or something, and I get a text from our friends at the tour, and they're like, is Amy that your house? Yep. <laughs> Are you watching this? With Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. We kind of really need video i'm like well she's not really interested in doing video right now but let me see what i can do so we did some practices we facetimed jessica corda who is a friend of mine that was fun um we sent some videos out or at least recorded some videos for some other celebrities that she would really like to play golf with her here and she ultimately decided by about the 15th hole that she was only willing to talk to anybody and everybody from my phone so we did that and then gary FaceTimed her here. Um, the reaction that, you know, I've seen the comments, I get it. My friends are texting me. It's fine. The reaction on the internet is that was staged. 
I assure you, we were prepared for a two putt. <laughs> we <Yeah. were> <laughs> well, um, I think Michelle, that's true too, because I, I think people think it might have been like that because you knew he was going to win, but your reaction was to the putt going in on eighteen because he nailed a thirty-five footer to to seal the deal. It was absolutely a reaction to the putt. We actually were talking about it at the tour this morning. Some of our favorite. Um, um, leadership folks at the tour were there this morning. We were there with them. They asked um, Isaiah to come and spend some time with Amy before they left today. And so we moved some things around and we went over for breakfast and they were talking about the fact that the thing that made it so compelling and the reason you guys are talking about this today is in part Amy's reaction to that, which would have been very different with a two putt and a tap in from 18 inches. Yeah, It was, she was, Listen, Amy would have been as excited as she was jumping into my arms when he wins no matter what. But she was screaming. You can hear it on the video. Go, go, go! And my reaction was the same as it would have been if Webb made it. I I was so heavily invested by then um, and so wanted this so badly for our friends and, and for Amy and her family and what the world is going to learn about people like Amy and like our son through this incredible human that most people didn't really know on tour until this. And how interesting that God would use a young person with Down syndrome for the world to get to know this incredible human and Gary Woodland that most people just for whatever reason didn't know. He's not flashy. There's nothing controversial about Gary. He is exactly who you see. And I promise you, he is not burdened by Amy. And he wanted very much to be a surprise FaceTime to her last night, and I got to watch that happen. It was incredibly special. Really cool. cool. Uh, Michelle DeSori with us, uh, of course, lives right here in Ponte Vedra, and and that special bond happened uh, from coast to coast last night. Uh, Well, (laughs) hey, it's one of the reasons we love sports, because we can see what kind of guy Gary Woodland is, but we also love Amy, love Isaiah, and you guys, you and Paul have done a fantastic job with Isaiah and your DeSori Family Foundation. Uh, If you want some more information on uh, the DeSori Family Foundation, Foundation. Go to TesoriFamilyFoundation.org. Uh, they have a golf tournament, several events, 3-2-1 Classic. They celebrate during the week of the Players' Championship. Always uh, fantastic stuff. Awareness and just showing how Isaiah and Amy are just unbelievable people and uh, so much fun to be around. Uh, I think you guys illustrated again last night. That was uh, pretty cool stuff, Michelle. And uh, make sure you give them both our best. I will. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for joining us. Michelle Tesori, whose husband, Paul, is, again, one of the awesome people on the PGA Tour. He caddies. uh, He's really a good golfer, but he's caddied for Webb Simpson for a long time. Won the U.S. Open years ago. They won the Players' Championship last year. Uh, Not this past one, Rory McIlroy won, but two years. And it was a cool hometown story. That Paul Tesori, who grew up in Jacksonville, won the Players' Championship on the bag. Not necessarily swinging the club, but on the bag and part of Webb Simpson's team. And uh, little Isaiah is is a pretty cool dude. We see him a couple times during the year. Great stuff. So, if again, I know this is radio. I get it. But if you have not seen some of the things that Michelle was talking about and what happened at the U.S. Open and the Gary Woodland and Amy story, uh, you have to look it up. Go do it. It, it went viral. It's awesome. Uh, I would suggest bringing a Kleenex. <laughs> or having a tissue yeah. uh, at the ready. But it is it will bring a smile to your face, uh, no doubt uh, about that. Uh, and once again, TesoriFamilyFoundation.org for uh, more information on what the Tesoris uh, do around here and really all across the country with the help of so many on the PGA Tour. Uh, one last thought on, on the golf part. 
you know, I don't know what this does for Woodland now going forward. I, I guess I don't really I didn't feel like there was a monkey on his back in terms of getting a major win, but it can only help him confidence wise propel him. I mean, to be under that fire, that pressure with Brooks Kepka breathing down your neck. Listen, Brooks Kepka coming at you like that in the final round is really no different than Tiger Woods back in the day or Tiger mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Now, it doesn't come with the roars. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. come with the fanfare. And Brooks has plenty, plenty of fans, but Tiger's yeah. is different. But this guy is playing that kind of golf. So to hold oh, yeah. off Brooks Kepka is really impressive. Absolutely, especially with a guy that's got some new swag about him now, too, man. Like I said, he, he was rocking some pretty interesting clothing styles, man. I was happy with him. And by the way, I'm not sure how you feel about it, Brent, but I saw a golfer. Well, I saw a couple of things, my observations. One guy broke his club out of anger. Yes. I can relate to that. Yes. And Patrick I'm pretty Reed. sure it was the same guy I had his shirt untucked the whole time. He did. What's up with that? He was a mess that day. Okay. Patrick Reed. Uh, I mean, is, that, is there some kind of like rule in place so you can't untuck your shirt? I'm a little surprised to see the yeah. untucked shirt, too. At Pebble Beach. Let's have some class Hey, here. it's a public place, man. Whoa. $628 I mean, come on. to play. I mean, how much is this? $628. Uh, I'm, I'm set. I'm, I'm, I'm all good there. Yeah. Come on. Well, if we can expense it, let's expense it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's ninety from Pebble Beach. Let's go. Hey, did you know the two heroes at Omaha so far, the biggest ones, are from Jacksonville? Played at the same school? Won a state championship together? We'll talk more about it and have their head coach on coming up next. That was a lot of fun catching up with Michelle Tesori. We appreciate her time. Uh, and again, go check out. If, you, if you're not familiar with the story, it's not a golf story. <laughs> it's a... Uh, Hope you love life and like to smile kind of story uh, with Gary Woodland and Amy. And speaking of good stories, uh, I'm in good story mode, especially locally. You know, it's it's been Jags, Jags, Jags. We're going to get into football season. There's a lot of fun stuff. The local tie to the U.S. Open with uh, Amy watching in Ponte Vedra. Uh, yesterday, Gary Woodland winning. And how about the College World Series? Now, I'm a baseball guy, so I understand not everybody's locked in on the College World Series. But I'm going to tell you. Omaha's awesome, so you got to get there. It's on. It should be on your bucket list. Like base, love baseball or not, good city around the College World Series. Corn, great to go. A lot of corn there. You know, I I thought we would. I wanted to take. We took uh, Ty's baseball team mm-hmm. out there when they were eleven, and we played in a tournament around the College World Series. And I figured there'd be a lot of corn. Oh yeah. And so, but so I wanted to do like the Field of Dreams shot. Yep. With the baseball team. Yeah. They said we had to drive like two hours. Outside of Omaha to get the corn. I think it might what? have been because of that time of year. What month was it? This month. It's right now. June. Oh, so it was June. Oh, yeah, Brent. You can't. Dude. Corn knee, don't grow. Knee, knee I mean, high by the 4th of July, man. Yeah. So, like, is that, they, they that's they're what sort it, planning it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Tim McGraw said where the corn don't grow, right? Well, yeah. I mean. So, the, I guess in June it's. I'm Where telling you, man, it, it starts to be knee-high by the 4th of July. All right. Write that down. So anyway, uh, good stories happening at the College World Series. Yes, Florida State, Mike Martin, huge story. Uh, and uh, I think most everybody around the country, if you're not associated with one of the other teams, is rooting for Florida State and probably if you're not a Gator. Uh, <laughs> but then you have J.C. Flowers from Trinity Christian, and you have Austin Martin, who plays for Vandy. He's a sophomore. He's been tremendous this year. He's from Trinity Christian. And the man that coached those two guys, and with all due respect to the coach, I'm not sure how much coaching you have to do with those two guys. I yeah. really don't. Set it and forget it. <laughs> Gil Morales, Trinity Christian baseball coach, joins us now here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, former Jags player Austin Lane, uh, here on a Monday. Coach, how good were these guys in high school? 
<laughs> you guys are cracking me up. You know what? You're right. There wasn't a whole lot to do with either one of them. I just got to pencil their name and make sure I spelled it right in the lineup card. <laughs> Coach, I have to ask you real quick, man. I mean, school's out right now. Why are you not in Omaha checking this out in person? Oh, my gosh. You know, so I, I got my wife, praise God, to approve. If they can get, if they can get one, if one of them gets in, I'll be definitely going to Omaha. A lot of it was just all planning and the way they're, you know, the way the first rounds are, you have to plan to stay there for so many days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if uh, one of them gets in, um, I'm, you know, Florida State wins the night, you know, I'm going to go ahead and book the ticket. And then, uh, you know, I'll be leaving Sunday to go out there and watch them. And, and what's crazy is, is both these teams actually have a shot to face each other in the finals. Yeah, that that they are on opposite sides of the bracket, so they could. How cool would that be if that were to be the case? Uh, you know, I love. I mean, I guess I've always had this respect for coaches, but I think one of the neatest things for a coach, and and I haven't been in that uh, profession, but has to be your players doing well, and that can be in life. It doesn't need to be making the NFL or making Major League Baseball, but succeeding somewhere down the line, and and you maybe played a little bit of a role in that. I can only imagine what your house was like, what kind of your heart was like on Saturday and Sunday watching these two guys play ball on the biggest stage in college baseball. No, in my family, you know, at Trinity, I mean, we are, we're very family-based. I mean, all of our kids are, you know, the alumni do a great job, JC and Amar especially, of connecting with the kids I just had graduated. I mean, with Dylan, you know, Dylan Simmons was going to Florida State and, him and Jason are good friends, and Amar talks to, you know, my shortstop. And and so my family knows these boys really well because, you know, we're everything we do in this house, you know, revolves around baseball season. And so we all were watching, just like we'll all be watching again tonight. And uh, when when uh, JC came out, and, you know, JC in high school, I mean, he, he's a, he wasn't like an emotional guy. You didn't see – JC's not the kind of guy who's going to be fist-pumping going crazy. Well, then when he did that and, you know, closed the game out with a strikeout on Saturday – you know, the, the house erupted, and he's going crazy. And then Amar, you know, I was, I was t- telling you earlier, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, making burgers, getting ready, and all of a sudden, first pitch, I'm like, whack. I'm like, there's no way he just hit a home run to lead off this game. And our whole house goes nuts. i am got burgers all over my hands. I'm just going crazy. I mean, it is – it is. You're, you are so right. It is – It is. Um, when these kids come to me, they all have the dream of playing Division One baseball. And, you know, I, I'm never going to tell a kid he can't do it. Uh, Austin and JC, what a lot of people don't know is – their journey, they were they were really good players in high school, but they had a long way to go, like the process of just maturing and getting better and, you know, watching them. You know, I was able to win a state title with both those kids, and, and they were my one-two in my lineup. And watching them achieve that goal and, you know, being able to dogpile with them and the, the disbelief they had when they won and seeing the excitement for them and then to see this and then see them dogpile – you know, with Florida State, with Vandy, it's like you, you really. I kind of like still part of it. <laughs> so it's like I'm like all, I'm like I'm all in. Like like I'm like I'm coaching on their staff right now. You know, I'm like you know, senior do this, and I'm saying, of course, I'm like acting like I'm part of the team. You know, so <laughs> it is really awesome to watch this, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Now these guys, uh, obviously, Austin can't get drafted yet. He's a sophomore. Uh, he got drafted coming out of high school late rounds, but he, if he stays on this pace, he's hitting over 400. Tremendous all year. I mean, hitting over 400 in the SEC is ridiculous in itself uh, and he can play all over the place uh, jc just got drafted uh by the uh, pirates in the fourth round a couple of weeks ago where do they project i mean now that you've seen them grow you saw them when they still had a lot more to gain uh how much more to gain i mean will we see these guys in the big leagues someday do they have that kind of talent you know um it's uh i'll, I'll tell you this and and um i have never been able to figure out 
Major League Baseball in the draft. Yeah. That's that's one thing I, I'm 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 not good at projecting as far as like where they're going to get drafted. But with JC, here's what's interesting about him is he's so athletic, and you know he does not have a lot of miles on that arm. I mean, he has not pitched a lot. He, he did pitch. He only pitched really one season for me. You know, he didn't really pitch the first two years at Florida State, and and now you have a kid that has learning how to pitch, has you know the the poise to be able to play in front of millions of people right now. And, you know, what he'll learn when he gets into professional baseball, you know, and, and, you know, nowadays with the spin rates and miles per hour, he kind of does some things naturally that you can't teach to where now when he gets big league training, I think he does have a shot at being, a, uh, you know, definitely a middle reliever or closer at the big league level um, just because he has that, that kind of poise to be able to do that. And, and Amar is, you know, he is – that kid woke up able to hit i mean he when he was born he was hitting probably coming out of the womb like that guy has been able to hit you know forever and now he's this it's like a video game i mean he's in the game and you're you're right like he's hitting 430 like who does that in the sec like that's unheard of that doesn't even make sense so i can see both of them getting their shots at the big leagues you know i, I was able to coach um you know, Josh Adams and Austin Maddox when I was at Eagles U. And I will say, I did go to the World Series when Florida went back in, uh, I don't know, like 2010 or 2011. And uh, I was able to watch both of those guys in the College World Series. And, you know, back then, Austin Maddox was projected as an hitter. And now, you know, he's in the big leagues as a, as a, uh, you know, as a pitcher. And I know a lot of that watching, just talking to him of how much he learned once he got the pro ball. I can see JC and Amar on that same track because they, they have, you got to have talent, you know, I mean, to, to play at the highest level, it's, you got to have that it factor, and I think both of them do have it. So it would not surprise me to see both of them get a shot in the big leagues. Coach, you've kind of built the powerhouse now at Trinity Christian, and you've mentioned the word family, which I'm a big fan of, but what other attributes do you um, kind of add to the, the success and the talent that you've been able to produce lately, and what kind of principles do you preach as a coach? Oh, uh, man, you know, the, uh, the caring about each other. You know, mm-hmm. this generation is um, it's different. Uh, you guys are kind of – talking about earlier today it's just different the way kids are with social media and and how you know nowadays kids are more interested in how many likes they get on a you know a twitter or facebook than actually communicating and talking to people and one of the things we do a lot of is forcing kids to communicate um forcing kids to to not be afraid to compete um you know i'm not that old and i and i tell kids all the time like you guys make me feel so old but you know there was a time when competing was normal. I mean, it wasn't going to the easiest team. And travel ball, you know, kids can, you know, if they don't like their situation, they can, you know, make a phone call and be on a new team the next day. And at training, when we, they first get there, I tell every kid, I'm like, listen, I want what you want, which is to make you the best player you can be. But here's the things that go with it. It's, you know, your grades matter. Your discipline in the classroom matters. How you treat your parents, how you treat your teammates, how you act on and off the field. I mean, there's so many more factors that go into it that, you know, there, I can I can literally talk to you guys for hours, especially with JC and Austin, of of just the things that they went through at Trinity. Because you know we 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 play a tough schedule, and that's one thing I I take a lot of pride in is putting the hardest schedule I can because you can't hide from a schedule. So when these kids come in like, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm this or whatever, you know, I'm like, I'm like okay, well we're gonna see how good you are because when you're facing 95 miles an hour at a high school level, you know that's no joke. And if you're you either have an, that's, it's just a great opportunity for you. So the work you put in, you know, in the off season. It, again, that's the accountability. It's being disciplined. It's the morning workouts. It's being on time. So when they go to, you know, Vanderbilt or Florida State or LSU or whatever school they go to, those coaches, it's all business. I mean, it's all great to say you're going to these schools, but anyone that's played at that level, they know what I'm talking about. It's business. Their job, Corbin and Senior's job is to win. 
That's their job. And they have expectations for these kids that they're going to demand out of them. And we don't get to do it at the same level or as many games. But I think, you know, with the schedule we play and, and the, really the off-season workouts that we do, it's really getting kids to say, okay, this is not about me. This is about my teammates. And if you heard the two interviews on both of them, which I thought was great, um, that's all I talked about was their teammates. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, that's my boys. <laughs> nice. yeah, I'm like, that's my boys. Because that's what it's all about. They have trust in their teammates. And they just, they know that, you know, hey, that was their day. And tonight could be someone else's day. But they, they're going to root for their guys. And I think that's just a big thing we try to do at Trinity is get kids to understand it's not about you. It's about the team. It's about the big goal. It's about your community. Um, I talk a lot about Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville baseball. I think it's the most underrated in our state of Florida. I think the, the coaches in Jacksonville are really, really good. Um, I think that coaches take a lot of pride in developing. We have to. We don't, we don't just have, you know, I'm fortunate enough to say I have these two kids, but you know, we get kids we have to develop. We have to make them better baseball players. Yeah, absolutely. Gil Morales with us, uh, Trinity Christian baseball coach, has a fantastic program over there at Trinity Christian. And these two guys who are starring in Omaha right now at the College World Series played for Gil Morales, J.C. Flowers, the hero in the one nothing game for Florida State on Saturday night. Austin Martin, two home runs for Vanderbilt yesterday in a win in Omaha. By the way, they do, uh, coach just mentioned Tim Corbin and Mike Martin, and obviously two legendary coaches. I, I'm not sure everybody listening follows college baseball all the time. They know Mike Martin now because of the storyline last couple of weeks, but Tim Corbin is a legendary coach as well. I will. I do want to add this. What uh, Gil Morales just said over the last like two and a half minutes, I hope my kids were listening, you know, <laughs> because uh, I get tired of saying a lot of that stuff, but yeah. to hear it from the coaches and people who have had a lot of success, uh, it, it's refreshing to, to hear about uh, competition and hands. all those other things. Yeah. So uh, that's great stuff. Uh, I want to ask you about J.C. Flowers coach a little bit. We yeah. everybody's in love right now with the idea that he scores the run and then he runs out to the bullpen and he closes yeah. the game after making the great catch early in the game. That is so unusual. All we hear about is specialization, specialization, specialization. I mean, at eight, nine years old, people are stuck at second base or third base. Uh, man, that is a that is a tougher thing to do than I think the average Joe watching that game realizes. The, the the routine that people have when you're in a bullpen, closing a game and the mentality in general, uh, that is, to me, maybe the most impressive thing that J.C. Flowers does is he goes and hits, runs, scores, and then runs out to that bullpen and then comes down and shuts those guys down in the, in the final inning. Well, you know, okay, so for, I, I talked to J.C. today, and, and the first thing I said, I'm like, all right, you made this catch, you know, an ESPN top 10 catch, and I'm like, you know, you never made one catch like that for me in two years. Okay, I'm like, so number one, how did you do it? So, 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 you know, you think of the whole course of this game. He makes this great catch in center field. Then he gets hit by a pitch. He has just a, a hard slide in a second. You know, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, he he plays the game hard. Yeah. The guy drops the ball, gets thirty scores, and then literally sprints. Touches home, goes into the dugout, and just keeps running. It's like they—it's like a handoff. They took his hat and his glove, and they said, "JC, you know where you're going." And he just gets down there, and and I'm like, "What?" Well, he's like, "Coach, I just—he just got in the zone. He just took a deep breath, you know, got himself into the moment. He knew what he had to do, and then he goes out there and pitches great." Because my worry was was kind of what you're saying, like the excitement and the energy of scoring a run, the go-ahead run, and then knowing you have to close a game. Like a lot of times, you know. Young kids at that age, are, they're just so amped they can't find the strike zone or, you know, whatever. And 
because there are no strikes. And I'm like, JC, you're pitching the contact. Like in high school, you know, I mean, high school kids want to strike everybody out. You know, he's locating the ball, throwing a slider for a strike. I'm like, what happened to you? And he just, you know, of course, laughs it off like it is no big deal. <laughs> but I agree with you. It, it's it's a mentality, and I think you know from just the talks I've had over him the last you know year that he started back to pitch or last six months he started pitching. Um, Florida State's just done a good job of I, I think senior just saying you're my closer, and so for JC to know that he he gets it, and so I think mentally they've just done that so many times. Like for him, it's a routine, and he's able to black out. I'm like, how was the crowd? He's like, yeah, I didn't even notice the crowd. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Thirty thousand wow. people, I promise you, I would notice that crowd, <laughs> and almost everybody in the world would be noticing it. But he just. Like I said, having that it factor and just being able to do it, I don't know how kids I, – I would have never been able to do that. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's impressive, though. <laughs> I, bet, I bet a lot of the baseball we played in the state of Florida might have helped for that. <laughs> there oh were some God, big moments dude. in that, too. Coach, what's the deal tonight? What's your, where's the watch party? Don't throw the burgers on the ceiling if you get too excited. But uh, uh, what, what now? Well, so we're we're not changing anything because it's working. So we're gonna watch it at my house. We're gonna uh, the, the uh, our, our our close friends and family are coming over, and we're just kind of keeping the same thing. We uh, to keep it, you know, where we're not rooting for one or the other. I mean, obviously we're rooting for Florida State tonight, but we we wear our Trinity gear and we just root for them. Our friends that, that all know these you know these two boys uh, come over and uh, we'll just watch the game and hopefully it goes their favor. The thing is, is the last two games. I mean, the, the World Series has been so good. I mean, I, even the Mississippi State game last night was incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. How that ended. And, and you know anything can happen in Omaha. I mean, Omaha is just a special place, and it's it's it, what it does to, for baseball in general and the excitement. I think what I love about it the most is that it's it's fun, and, and I think a lot of times kids get so caught up in it not being fun because they're worried about what they're ranked or you know what school they're going to. But you watch College World Series; those kids have fun, they have a good time, and and that's what I'm gonna do. Tonight. We're just gonna have a good time and watch the game and. Uh, you know, they're, they, you know, for Florida State and their whole, the, the whole thing they have is magical with senior being his last season. And now they're making this run, taking him what, however many years to get there. And now they're, they actually have a shot of getting to the final, which would be incredible to watch for, uh, Mike Martin senior for sure. Coach, we're, we're a ways away from it, but I got to ask you, say both your players make it to the championship game. Are you cheering for Florida State or are you going to be neutral? Oh. You know, I knew I knew one of you would ask me this question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got to, man. Yeah. Hard, hard so, hey, coach, I'm a little ESPN superstitious about this stuff. I wasn't asking. I, I, wasn't coach. I, I don't know what I would do. I, You know, when I went there with uh, Josh and Austin, they, it was easy because they, they both played for Florida. So I'm like, okay, this is easy. Yeah. This one, I'm like, what do I do? Because I want it for both of the guys. But then there's, you know, the part, the baseball fan of me is, is a fan of, you know, seeing senior I mean, what it, you, that's a story. They're going to write a movie on this guy if he wins a World Series. I mean, Absolutely. It would be incredible. And then, you know, I look at the, uh, the journey with Vanderbilt and, and, like, you know, how they got beat last year in the regional final or, you know, the super regional and, like, watching how their team has had to come back and, you know, being ranked one and two in the country all year is, is so hard to do. I mean, UCLA gets knocked off. Vandy's actually there. And so then there's a part of me, like, I, I have so much respect for Corbin because of, you know, obviously I'm a I'm a coach's coach. I love what coaches do and how they do it behind the scenes. So I'm, like, so intrigued. I'm like, how did he pull this off? How did he do this? And how did how did Senior do this? I mean, so I don't know. I'm going to have to get a jersey and just make it split down the middle <laughs> and sit right behind home plate. <laughs> uh, it sure sounds like you're a winner either way. Gil Morales, man, I love baseball, and I really love how good it is in this area. And the fact that you had – 
J.C. Flowers leading off and Austin Martin, two heroes of Omaha so far early in this College World Series, hitting 1-2 at Trinity Christian and win the state championship. Says a lot about how good baseball is in this area. But have a blast tonight. I think we're going to send the TV cameras your way, so smile pretty. Uh, and, and thanks for inviting us over on CBS 47 and Fox 30. I appreciate it. I, I thank both of you guys for reaching out because it is uh, our city is good in baseball, and it, and it is going to continue to be that way. We have a lot of guys who work extremely hard to develop these kids, to, to reach these dreams right here. And I'm just, look, I'm blessed that I had the opportunity to coach these guys, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. So I thank both of you guys for calling. You got it, man. Oh, Have fun man. watching tonight. Uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. That's Gil Morales, Trinity Christian baseball coach. Uh, that must be fun. That must again, be a lot man. of fun yeah. uh, to be able to watch those guys play ball. And, again, Florida State in action tonight against Michigan. Michigan, an easy team to root for. They're a Cinderella as well. Mm-hmm. These, these are two of the last four teams in the NCAA tournament, and they're playing for a right to stay in the winner's bracket tonight. It's going to be a neat story. Whoever wins, it'll be a better story if Florida State wins. I can't wait. Well, that's right. Wrestling's on tonight, so yeah, I'll, I'll go and DVR that one. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just being honest, dude. Ball and Fallen coming up next, and I got a feeling we're going back to the ring next on ESPN 690. Here comes the champ. Right hand, left hand, in the corner. Schwartz is in trouble. Big man blasted away. He's taking a huge punishment. Showstopper. Joe Tessitore over the weekend. Tyson Fury gets it done. And you know what? <laughs> I was into it. Yeah. Hey, two things happened on Saturday night. As we welcome back to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Monday. Hope you're doing well. Ty, before he went to bed, we were in like Sanford uh, baseball tournament. Yep. And so before he... Uh, you know, shut it down for the night. He's like, "What time's Fury fighting?" I like. Or no, he, no, no. He said, "Did he win?" Okay. And I was like, "Well, he's not going to fight till later." Mm-hmm. So, so he was asking about it. I like a tie. And I'm like, "Well, that's weird." Like, I think this is the first time Ty's ever asked me about boxing. I see you, Ty. And so then I'm like, "All right." I'm sitting there in a hotel room. Ty's in bed. I'm like, "It's like 11 o'clock." Do a little work yeah. for the show. That's what I do on the weekends. Who's just. Downs Vita de Louis like it's going out of style. Yep. Which isn't a bad thing either. And I just down a lot of uh, programming television. That's, about you, that's it. what yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, a lot of Netflix. Not enough U.S. Open golf for. Brent, I watched series. it Sunday. I gave up good talking <laughs> points. The guy didn't have his shirt tucked in. He broke the club. <laughs> what more do you want from me, man? Very good. Okay. Uh, the. <laughs> I mean, and so. I, I can only do so much, Brent. So the fight comes on. And I, this is one reason. Why do the fights come on so late? Why is that? Because they fight in Vegas. Well, that, that, that fight so was in two Vegas. hours. So, yeah. you, so you got to think, I mean, 10 by o'clock. that time. Yeah, 10 o'clock. Yeah, because it was about midnight. Yes. When the fight came yes, out, which isn't actually too. But, but I remember being a kid when, it, though, man, when Mike Tyson time. would fight, it would be the same thing. Yeah. I remember but, as a kid, like, I'd be babysitting and the people had, like, HBO. <laughs> yeah. HBO? Yeah. HBO. And uh, I didn't have cable TV. Mm-hmm. We've learned that about yeah. me growing up. But I'd be like, I like, man, man, I hope these people don't come home till like, 2 in the morning because <laughs> I get to see Mike Tyson fight. Uh,. But yeah, so anyway, I stayed up and watched this. And normally, I think I would have been like, I don't care at all. It sure. was cool from the Rocky entrance. Okay, to, no, see, no, not no, cool. That's not good. cool. No, that's cool. No, 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 no. Show. I had a problem with was that. Good. Why do you have a problem with that? Is that so, falling? Oh, no, not. no, it's not falling. But uh, so with Tyson Fury, 
listen, dude, you're from England, man. Like, you're, they call you the Gypsy King for a reason. Yeah. But uh, I love the end. Just, just like his first time officially fighting. Um, the, well, it was his first time being headlined in the States. He yeah. fought Deontay Wilder in the States as well. This is coming out party in the United States. Exactly. And he, hey, he got a lot of money from ESPN, so by all means, flaunt it. My issue, though, Brent, is that he came out to living in America. Yeah. He had the pomp and circumstance of Apollo Creed and Rocky Four. You know what happens to Apollo Creed when he made that entrance in Rocky Four? Hey, good point. That's what I had a problem bad with. Bad mojo, bad I, karma. I had my bookie on the line getting ready to be like, you know what? Go ahead and give me about $1,000 for shorts, please. <laughs> so I'm, I think we, I didn't make that phone call. But I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's, that's some bad juju right there, Tyson Fury, coming out to that song after that movie. But it all paid out. It, it played out well. Hey, he, he, he spoke a big game. He yeah. talked a big game. And then he delivered. He, well, he put on a clinic, part, man. Brent. He put on. That was a fun. Listen, heavyweights hug. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Heavyweights don't box sometimes. Yeah. And they haven't boxed in a long time, uh, generally. I, you're going to tell me a guy here and a guy. And Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder says, what's up? Deontay Wilder Some just knocked squad, the guy right? into, like, another planet <laughs> yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And that's what's great about the sport right now. You have Deontay Wilder coming off that tremendous blow. Yes. I mean, just a killer knockout. I don't, yeah. I don't know how that guy didn't die, actually. <laughs> uh, and it looked like out of a movie. It was bad. And then this showing, which showed... A big dude, six foot nine, being able to box, being yeah. able to move. And not that I'm a boxing expert. I really am far from it. Yeah. But I could see it. And if I can see it, that's good for the, the sport. See it. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's really good. So it was a big moment. And then the guy finished off the show. Yes. Because listen, it's part of it. What do you like wrestling? Love it. WWE. Yeah. All Elite Wrestling. Let's it's a it. show. Exactly. Right? Now yeah. listen, Gary Woodland isn't going to get the U.S. Open trophy on Sunday and start singing to his wife. Yeah. He won't. Yeah. But in the ring, in boxing, it's Tyson Fury did this. Sports entertainment. Every moment spent with you is a moment I treasure forever and ever and I, I don't want to close my eyes. He's not bad. I don't want to I mean, listen, overall, it's really not terrible. Yeah. And, I mean, the guy just doesn't care. How much money did he make for this fight? Uh, a lot. I mean, he, he signed the deal with ESPN. Like $100 million? We're, we're talking about $100 million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so he, not for that he, fight, but he signed well, the whole no. deal with yeah, him. Yeah, the deal. And he gives a lot of it to, to charity. Um, but he's, he's actually like a world-renowned singer. Like He goes on Instagram sometimes. Oh, and does he? he does like a bunch of videos where he sings. I didn't he, realize that. He was singing Sinead O'Connor for a while. Uh, but And listen, and that was a that was a great exclamation point um, to that match. I mean... If anything, it put him even more out there well, now. It made him memorable. It did make right? him memorable. Whether you like well, it or not, well, it's here's memorable. The thing. Here's what made him memorable, though. And listen, with Tyson Fury, the thing's always been like, he's got the footwork. He's got the movement. You, you saw, everybody saw that Saturday night, man. I mean, the way that guy can bob and weave, Brent, for being six foot nine, go and call him maybe, I'd say probably 265, 270 pounds. It's absolutely insane, yeah. his movement and everything. But what he showcased, and it was his job to showcase, because you remember Dante Wilder? Deontay Wilder was one up on him. Deontay Wilder knocked out a Dominique Brazil in one round. Yeah. KO'd him, flatlined him. Yeah. So the pressure, and I don't want to say the pressure, but I mean, Fury had some stuff to prove. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So Fury comes out, not really known as necessarily a KO artist by any means, comes out a little on the heavier side, which, you know, we didn't really know what was going on with that, but it showed that he was packing the punch as well. Um, he showcased all his skills. He showcased head movement. He showcased his footwork. He showcased his power, showcased his speed. It was a perfect fight for Fury. It sets him up very nicely for Deontay Wilder, but... Here's my problem. Deontay Wilder's got a fight with Luis Ortiz, and this is no walk in the park for Deontay Wilder. Luis Ortiz um, fought Deontay Wilder about a year ago, 
and it was by far Deontay Wilder's uh, like his hardest fight. We talked about a little bit of the Super Bowl where he was in like the sixth or seventh round and he was facing some adversity. It wasn't looking good for Wilder. Now, once again, Wilder throws that overhand right, catches him, and it's game over. Thanks for playing. But the rematch always goes to the advantage of the guy that got beat because he's got more to train for. Yeah, yeah. Not, not to count Wilder out by any means. Wilder's still going to be the favorite. But Luis Wilder's Ortiz has got $140,000 worth of jewelry on. He'll exactly. Be all right. But Luis Ortiz is no slouch. And here's the problem, Brent. All the stars are in line for the rematch of Wilder and Fury. But this doesn't happen if Wilder doesn't win. So Listen, listen. Okay, Brent. We, got, we need a little WWE action here. Okay. A little All Elite Wrestling. We okay. Need a script. Okay. This will be good for boxing okay. if there's a script. Hey. How'd that script work out for Anthony Joshua? Yeah, that's true. Are we even talking about him anymore? I don't now? even think they needed the script for Anthony How, Joshua. How's for Anthony Joshua, man? <laughs> Everyone's trying to fight Anthony Joshua. Now what, But Anthony Joshua isn't saving boxing, or not saving, but helping to bring it to the forefront. Yeah. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury have a chance here over the next year to create a buzz around boxing. <sighs> I mean, Evander Holyfield, he was after Tyson. He was still doing it a little bit, right? Yeah. But, I mean... I, and I don't want to go as far as Tyson. That's overdramatic. Mm-hmm. I don't even think Mayweather was. See, I think the boxing people said, hey, Mayweather, Mayweather, Mayweather. But the people like me didn't care about Mayweather. Plus, he's a he's a jerk. Yeah. So it didn't like it just didn't matter. Yeah. I'm talking about people like me. Like, I'm Brent, trying to get yeah, you man. on golf. No, you've got to get me you. on boxing. No, I hear you, so, man. I think this has a chance. This will pique my interest is my point. Okay, if, no, if, I understand. If it piques my interest, it's got a chance to pique some casual observer's interest. That's yeah. good for the sport of boxing because I don't think this sport has piqued anybody's interest in but over no, a decade. You're absolutely right. A couple, uh, couple points, though. So from boxing not being on uh, a bigger scale, like, listen, we, we think it's a dying sport, especially the heavyweight division. And, yeah, from the casual fan, it is. But guess what? These guys are still making millions and they millions are. of dollars, a lot more than UFC fighters, and that is a reason, because people are watching it. Now, with Anthony Joshua, like, listen, I know from your perspective, maybe the casual fan, Anthony Joshua isn't really a household name, but he was the number one ranked fighter in the world. He was selling out Wembley nonstop. There's a reason why Tyson Fury went from England and came over to the U.S. to make some money, because Anthony Joshua was running overseas. He was running England. He was running the U.K. Anthony Joshua... Goes to New York for his first fight in the States, gets knocked out by what people caught, thought was an out of shape boxer. Wasn't the case at all. Andy Ruiz is definitely a monster. Should have, he's probably shouldn't have won, but Anthony Joshua gets knocked out and now he's off the pedestal. And I'm not saying that Dan Wilder is going to get knocked out by, uh, Luis Ortiz. I'm definitely putting my money on Dan Wilder. I'm just saying though, when you have all these fights and even this is Schwartz fight, this guy from Germany who, uh, Tyson Fury just fought. I get it, man. He's undefeated, 24-0. Hasn't really fought anybody big, but Brennan, heavyweight boxing, you've seen it, man. All it takes is one punch to change the course of history. And I just get nervous because we we want to see we want to see the Tyson Fury. We want to see the Deontay Wilder rematch. We wanted to see Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. We want to see Deontay Wilder go to England and beat Anthony Joshua in his home country. We wanted to see that. But these promoters get so greedy in the fact that they're trying to get as much money as possible. When you do that, sometimes fighters make mistakes, and sometimes fighters get you know fighters lose, and that's where the sport can take a take a hit. Well, what, bottom line is, my balling yeah is boxing cool. on Saturday night. Yeah. Tyson Fury at least gives you the chance. He gives I the think, chance for the casual and by way way bigger personality than Anthony Joshua. Yeah, 
You know, yeah. the person that we heard of, like, I think you showed me the, we listened in, on our way to Mobile, Rogan like, podcast. the Rogan podcast, yeah. which, by the way, we're going to get Joe Rogan on because we pump his podcast up more than he <laughs> hey, pumps hey, it up. I'm going to be honest, Joe Rogan doesn't need us, man. I he, know he doesn't need so us. Much, I mean, he's, but he has the number one podcast think, in the world. I do think he sh- at least should acknowledge the fact that we mentioned his podcast like three <laughs> times a week. Well, I'll go and reach out to him and see what he says. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, the least he can do is give us a phone call for five minutes. <laughs> for sure. For Come sure. on, Joe. He's kind of a busy man. Dude. I mean, listen, Lane loves you. He's a busy and dude. I, and he's got me on your podcast yep, a little bit. Absolutely. We, I mean, that's why I know a little bit about Fury, Fury. from that podcast. Yeah. He does have a cool personality. Yeah, he does. Which is part of it. But anyway, bowling, boxing. No, absolutely, man. I, I, that's the most thanks eloquent for coming I've along. ever talked about boxing. <laughs> thanks for coming along on that journey, man. <laughs> I don't know it was eloquent, but for oh, me no, it was. was good, man. No, you, yeah, from, from the casual fan too, Brent, it helps out. You know, absolutely, it helps that perspective. Yeah. So, uh, bowling, um, yeah, I didn't go boxing. Maybe I should have. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe you did. That's the upset of the day. Then, well, you know, when here's, he, he comes in, he says, hey, Kuz, you got all that sound that I need? Yeah. I was like, oh, he's definitely going with, with Fury singing. See, and I, Fury, thought, I was like, how did you not go there? I, I thought the Fury fight was so big, especially on ESPN Plus. Shout out to the ESPN Plus app. Um, I thought it was so big for the fact that we're going to talk about it on its own segment, kind of like the U.S. Open, where it wasn't anybody's ball, and we just talked about it because it's big news. Well, we kind of just did. We're well, supposed to go to break saying. like five minutes we're ago. Good. We're well, supposed to give away Guns N' Roses tickets soon, too. Well, forget the tickets, because you know why? Carly Habits is absolutely balling. Check out this audio real quick. Was this from like 1914? I know, right, Coos? I mean, I, mean, I, I sent you the. I don't know. I'm not sure what happened there. What was that? That so so. <laughs> that 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 was a girl from the 1920s that was <laughs> using a Campbell yeah, soup can. Yeah. So uh, basically, what happened is sorry about the audio. Uh, Carly Habits is the Los Angeles Dodgers ball girl. Okay. And she's sitting along the first uh, baseline, and an absolute just roper goes right past her. She steps up. Kind of gives a little extension, catches the ball. Save 101 the exit velocity, by the way. The girl snags and what she do to celebrate? Nothing. Tells the crowd to calm back down <laughs> and sits back down in her chair. Curly, I didn't see I that. Res- hey, I, I respect the, the humbleness. I respect just like acting like you've been there before, even though you haven't. You've never caught a ball 100 going 101 miles per hour right up past your head. I guarantee you haven't. But props to her for just being humble about it. That's awesome. If, if that was me, if I'm Carly, I'm dabbing. I'm flossing. <laughs> like, cameras are on me. I made a good catch. Show up a little bit. Show a little pop. Do a little Tyson Fury. Get a little pop in circumstance. But shout out to Carly Habits. Uh, 101 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, ball above her head. She caught it. Brent, I'll show you the video after the break. That's awesome. Go uh, find some video. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, we, we need to get to a point where we can play some of this video on our video feeds. We'll like get it. to that point. I we like just it. need to get a little bigger. Maybe when Joe Rogan calls in or something like that, <laughs> I mean, it'll be a little bigger. I got to see him. Punk, what more do you want, man? I, I will say you did. Uh, yeah. That was pretty good. I will say this. I don't ever want LeVar Ball calling in. And no. he's my fallen. Thank you. Do we have to Thank bring you, LeVar Ball back into the conversation? Thank you. Shame on you, ESPN. Thank Am you. Am I allowed to say that? No, absolutely. I, I'm going to do it for you if I you mean, don't. So I, you might as well say so it. So what you're saying is you don't want me to play the audio. Uh, you can play, play a little it. bit of the audio. But I I was, I know it's a, a slower time. I don't feel like it's slow at all here. I think we got a ton to talk about today. But I was a little surprised that LeVar Ball was back on. Was he on like first take this morning? Yeah, it was Stephen A. I mean, are you serious? Like, I thought we got rid of that guy. 
Like, I mean, I right, now he's got to come back because the kid got traded? Yeah, but, I uh, mean, but, but I'm, sure we're, I'm sure it was good television. Can we play some audio and see what we got to go off of here? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was sure, fantastic. I'm sure it was great. Real riveting stuff. I'm playing chess. Y'all playing checkers. The best way to get Lonzo out of L.A. is I said, you know what? I don't like New Orleans. I don't like New Orleans. Lonzo ain't going nowhere. He's the best in the world. L.A. Lakers ain't going to never let him go. First thing they do is exactly what I want to do. Let him go. Because it's raggedy over there. Even the, the writing is on the new shirt that he's going to wear. It said no L.A. on it. I mean, this guy is as close to Don King as we've seen in sports in a long time. He has no idea what's coming out of his mouth. Well, and he, No idea. He also made a kind of derogatory comment to one of the female uh, reporters asking him a question, oh, too, which we didn't the get. The host, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, host. Um, we didn't get that part, but I, listen. Because he's an ass. I mean, yeah, he, but he, I know. Uh, he, yeah. he, I hope he didn't get anything for Father's Day. Let's just say that. I just, listen, from a businessman, I can appreciate what he's doing, Brent. He started his own business, Big Baller Brand. He started for his sons. You know what? More power to you, man. You know, that's the that's the power of America. Um, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Props to you for that. But I can't come with you because you're so um you're just so just not even on this planet sometimes with the things that you say. And I get it, maybe you're just trying to garner a reaction. That's the world we live in. But hey, ESPN. Don't bring him on and then complain for what he says. This is exactly what he was planning on doing the whole time. Yeah. He was going to say a bunch of stupid stuff, and then you got to come out as a company and be like, oh, we didn't know he was going to say that. No, listen. No, they did. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. you know what was This up. was, it's slow in June. Let's see what we can do, spark yeah. some stuff. And we're, Because we haven't had him on in well, six months was, or whatever. He was trending over the weekend the second the trade happened. Yeah, and because he was talking. Yeah. Who did the inter- Somebody else did the interview with him. They listen, got him, like, immediately. We have that too. They, he's like, we, LA will never win, right, or something yeah. like that. It's, we it's, just... I, I, I can't stand that we live. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Never win another championship. Guaranteed. They're going to regret it. I'm going to have fun. I told y'all it was crashing down. It's actually shameful that I'm even having him on my show. I kind of just said, I said, like, uh, we wouldn't do that, but uh, we have a fallen segment, so we finished. No, listen. (laughs) If if a bar ball ever called in and said, hey, I want to come on ESPN 690, Brent, and I don't care what you say, man, but if he comes on the show, I'm not going to be here. Because if you have him on the show, I'm going to be like, no, I'm all good. Because I don't want to talk to the dude, man. You got nothing for me. You don't know the game of basketball. You're annoying. You say a bunch of things that are derogatory that I can't get behind. So as far as the the bar ball is concerned, no thanks, man. But But here's here's the business side of it. Um, Nick, go around the corner there, Coos. Cool. If Lamar Ball here. wants to come on the show, no, that's are we cool. turned them down. I can turn them that. Fair we question. would not, though. I'm not. Then I'm not going to be here. We wouldn't be able to. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, if Lamar Ball ever calls in, I'm not going to be here. Promise you. Simple as that. And here's what I hate about the whole situation. Well, somebody's got to host the show <laughs> with the Bar Ball, though. It's like people can't stand him. You know, people want to say, oh, why are we giving him so much credit? Well, everyone's retweeting him. Everyone's We're not giving him credit. Him. We're giving him airtime. Okay, but that's what he we wants. We just though. did that. Hey, give him the T-Rex yeah. approach. Don't do anything. What happens if a T-Rex is in front of you? You stand still. You don't do anything. You know what Have happens? You watched Jurassic the T-Rex Park, goes away. It was a documentary. I've seen the movie a couple times. If a T-Rex is in front of you, you don't do anything, and it goes away. Same thing with the VAR ball. Problem solved. All right. Stop talking about him. Do balling. I mean, falling. <laughs> uh, Big ball oh, brand. Back to golf. Uh, hey, Brooks Kepka, you're already one of the most talented golfers in the world, and I, I appreciate that, man. But let's get something going here. Let's get some personality. Let's make the people fall in love with you a little bit. Let's go to your interview here. What would you have to say with this one? First of all, Brooks, your hands got cold on 18, and when I offered you a coffee, you've, you said you've never had a hot drink in your life. No. Growing up in Florida, man, you're not going to drink coffee. I don't drink coffee in the morning. I don't drink anything. Not know? even hot chocolate? Not no, no hot chocolate. Never had one. 
Way to, way to appeal to the fan base. You've never had a sip of a hot liquid? You've never had a sip of hot cocoa? Never had a sip of coffee? Never had a sip of apple cider? Hey, be a little less weird next time someone asks you a question, Brooks Kepka. You are not getting fans right now. That's one endorsement he's not going to have, so I'll take that endorsement for the coffee. <laughs> I mean, is that kind of odd to you? It, I get what he's saying about the, the living in Florida and it's... I don't actually, Stuart, you were born in Florida. Yeah, how much did you drink hot stuff? Saudi Arabia, technically, but I grew up in oh, yeah, Florida. Grew up, yes, sorry. Um, never. And hot I actually, Saudi Arabia too. I, <laughs> there too. Also a desert. I I actually don't drink hot beverages uh, personally. But, but you've had a sip of a hot beverage. Sure. And, okay. And, you thank know, you. That's I, I all prefer we're them at. to be lukewarm. They just burn my mouth every time I try and sip them. But the, the whole so point is, you're just you're just saying you're a wuss. I'm just in a, unable to handle the heat. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. I, I don't. I won't argue that point. I'm weird when it comes to my not drinking cold brew all the way. The whole point is he's never even had a sip, or at least he said that he's never had a sip of anything. But you know who else hasn't doesn't is Tom Brady. Whoa. Tom Brady doesn't do it. He's never had a sip of coffee or anything. I Brand, think that's what he says. Oh uh, wait, wait, let's get that footage so I can make him uh, fall on as Maybe well. Would, I mean, you gotta be like a kid or just be curious. You I mean, think, I one can't time. listen. I don't like hot chocolate. Okay. Okay. Like I don't like. I really don't. There's some things chocolate I don't mind a little bit. Hot chocolate I can't stand. I can't even stand the smell of it. Awful. Wow. So as a kid, like Noted. I would grow up in the New England mm-hmm. drinking hot tea and, and stuff like that. I never had coffee until I was about 35. Now I have like eight a day. Yeah. So I can get the no hot. Cho- I can get the no coffee thing if you live in Florida, but most people will have tried a hot chocolate. Well, yeah, and this guy's especially. Yeah, I mean, most people have tried it. Well, he's never so had it's a hot lot. liquid though, Brent. I don't know. You ever had chicken noodle soup? You ever just sip on the broth a little bit? It's delicious. I thought you were going to. <laughs> I, I think he didn't say he never had soup. He says he's never had a hot, a warm liquid. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. That might be. Uh, well, that might be a little. Brooks Kepka, I'm trying to get you fans. <laughs> you keep uh, missing you out keep on ramen, yourself by the way. I think you should do that for tomorrow, by the way. Brooks Kepka, this is how I'm going to make you more famous. Oh, do you want me to be like his PR person? Yeah. Okay. I think you should come up with some stuff. Well, if that's the case, Not then drinking coffee is well, going no, to make no, you more no. famous well, or I'd be freaking loaded. Well, tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to give him a call tomorrow see how I'm going to be hired as his PR person. We're going to go on ESPN tomorrow. We're going to apologize and say, you know what? I I take my comments back. I have had hot beverages. Uh, Starbucks is a fantastic coffee establishment. Cut the check. And we're going to go on from there. It would be in that monotone voice as well the <laughs> yeah, entire absolutely. way as he answered the question. Yep. He's a damn good golfer. Yeah, he's a great golfer, man. But make people like you. Okay. Just saying. We're trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, dude. I mean, I'm trying to get him in the sport. Hey, you know, I'm trying to play along. Do you like Guns N' Roses? I do like Guns N' Roses. We're going to take you down to the Paradise City. Okay. When I we come the back. The grass is green and the girls are pretty there. Oh, that's a good place to be. Next on ESPN 690, we're giving away a couple of tickets and some NBA chatter. Who won the Anthony Davis trade? All next here on a Monday. Thanks for hanging. You got a favorite Guns N' Roses song? Man, I mean, this is definitely one of them. Probably, I mean, this is probably the one. This is like the first one I've ever heard as a kid. I remember the music video, one of the first videos I ever saw. Very adult situations. (laughs) A lot of adult situations going on. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably say Welcome to the Jungle, man. But I also liked November Rain because my birthday's in November. So I had that. What about you, Brent? Yeah, I mean, I think Welcome to the Jungle, 
Paradise City, of course. You know why I always think of these kind of songs? Is roller skating in like <laughs> late elementary, middle school. I mean, that's where it was at. You yeah. went to like the roller skating oh, rink. Yeah. And, and I don't even know how much I roller skated, but that's where everybody was hanging out. For sure. And that's what these were the songs that were playing. Yeah, I hear you, man. I'll so t- I'll tell you what, when it came to the, because the, the, they had the, the games you played, the roller skating yeah. rinks, the limbo, undefeated in the limbo. Okay. Undefeated. All right. Don't touch me in the limbo. Weird flex. Okay. Yeah. Weird flex. Oh, oh, no. It's a, it's a flex of the day. Don't get it twisted. Sweet child of mine. Good one for me. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, let's say, did I just see somewhere they sold? I, I, there was some crazy number. It was like 563 million something or whatever. I don't know if that was dollars or, or records or what. But yep. that's not the number of caller you have to be. Okay. That would be a lot on coups. Here's the deal, though. Get ready to win some tickets to Guns N' Roses, and you set the parameters. I did. What is it? So we're going to go with 12. Caller number 12. 12. Star star 690 or 904-362-9901. Mm-hmm. 904-362-9901. Star star 690. Kuz is mad right now because he's like 12. Well, really? Could you made it three? This is in honor of Slash's Double neck Gibson SG guitar, the twelve stringer. Uh, so it was twelve. Goose. Sorry about that. Sorry. Don't, hey, don't be mad at me. Take it up with Slash. No, it's fine. Fault. I broke my dad's Gibson when we were younger, and uh, so this is payback, I guess, a little bit. Were you yep. thrown out of the family when that happened? I, my dad that's, wanted to. It was cheap, not good. That's not a cheap thing. They hey. stopped making the brand that my uh, my dad was <laughs> doing. So it's, yeah, it was bad. Goose, stop talking and answer the phone. All right, the phones all right. are ringing. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to really hurt Kuz right now because if we get into the NBA, oh, he, too busy. He, he won't be able to talk about it. That's too bad. We only got a couple minutes before the top of the hour. We'll bring it back on the other side as well. But uh, all right, who, who won the de- who won the trade? Action Sports Jack Screw Weber with us. Uh, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. That was big news. Came down on Saturday. Yeah. Who won? You know what? I, honestly, I think both teams won in the situation. I think with LeBron James, you know, kind of being at the we twilight call that of his a career. Fence sitter. Well, no, I mean, the, uh, hey, can, can, can I explain radio? myself? Can sure. I explain myself real quick? All right, so the Lakers win because the fact that LeBron James is, has a couple more good years left. They bring in Anthony Davis because they have to win right now. The Pelicans, they don't have to win right now. They have Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson. Listen. They've proven the point that you can win with two legit big men. Last team to do that was the San Antonio Spurs. I don't think we ever really see it again in our lifetimes with the way the big men play now on the three-point line. So they had to get rid of somebody. Anthony Davis, there you go. So Anthony Davis goes to L.A. I think it helps the Pelicans now because you have a lot of young talent uh, going in with more young talent with Zion Williamson, and it's a team that you can build for the future. Lakers got to win now. Uh, Pelicans can win later. And so I think it's a win-win, honestly. I go fully on the Lakers' side. You do? Yeah. Really? I think you're in the minority. If you I have to pick one and get off the fence like Austin was just on, he's hurting so much. Mm, look, nobody, give, I mean, yeah. give me the proven commodity. Give me the guy who you know has been really good and is going to be really good. There's so much uncertainty with draft picks, with the future. You know, is this guy going to be a bust? Is that guy, and not necessarily talking about Zion, but those other number one picks that they get, Lonzo Ball, whatever. You know, you, you talk about the known commodity in this deal, and that's the unibrow. And to send him to the Lakers, I think they win, especially in in a win now mode, like Austin said with LeBron James. They needed to stock up right now. The future doesn't matter if you know LeBron is you know completely bald and can't <laughs> score at all. You know, so you got to take advantage of him while he can play right now. Strangely enough, I agree with you. Oh, I think the Lakers did win. I, I think most people say New Orleans, and and they got to Austin's point. 
both teams did well. Sure, yeah. Both teams did well, in my opinion. And and if you look at the amount of cargo <laughs> that yeah. New Orleans got, of course, on paper, they won. But I think Stewart's points are dead on the money. And you know what? I don't know where the heck I'll be in four years when, or six years or whatever when New Orleans is good. It might, it's going to take them that long to be good. So then the Lakers needed to do this. Uh, they did the right thing. And more on that. Who do you think won? Star Star 690 is the number. Oh, uh, I'll tell you who lost, though. The New York Knicks. Um, as uh, usual. Knicks have lost a lot. Yeah. <laughs> in the offseason, they've been playing. More to come. ESPN 690. Five o'clock hour next. If it was April Fools, we would say uh, it's been a slow day on the phone line, so nobody's called in. Uh, so keep buzzing, Coos. Yeah, just make Coos' job a little but harder. But we don't want to do that to you, the listener. Um, we do have a winner, although it is kind of fun watching Coos wrestle the phone. Keep, <laughs> keep calling the show, though, man, because for my entertainment purposes, I, I like seeing Coos uh, struggle behind the, the I just desk. don't like that the phone actually makes noise, regardless of if I pick it up. Yeah. If there's it's other people. background well, music for us, well, so people uh, know, like, they're calling. Coos, I hate to tell you, man, but phone's making noise. It's one of the characteristics of a phone. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, but in radio, you silence them, and it just says their name. Like, it doesn't uh, have to... Uh. Phones being phones, Brent. Am I right? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We'll give away more Guns N' Roses tickets uh, the rest of the week, right? I hope so. That's what I told everybody. Got the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Better give one more away. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Stewart, Weber, Coos is here as well, answering your phone call, star star 690. Uh, no more tickets available, but maybe you want to jump in on this question. Who won the trade for Anthony Davis, Pelicans or Lakers? And we have come up with... What is what is happy the whiteboard? Hour. I was saying the happy hour. Oh, you, oh, oh I missed the whiteboard. Oh, it's all good. I oh, want tickets, I want tickets to, the... to the Firefly Funhouse. Oh. It's a it's a wrestling thing. Don't worry about it, Brent. I'm not even gonna explain to it right Please now. Don't. Where yeah. is that one? Where do you see that? Uh, it's on WWE. Oh. Yeah, it's too long to explain. <laughs> Just go with it. Side dude. note: uh, today, uh, over the weekend, I had somebody else say that they only watch WWE right now because it's on. Like, if yeah. you give me the choice between WWE or All Elite Wrestling, yep. I'm clearly watching All Elite Wrestling show. Already? They've already made that Dude, kind I'm of impact. I'm telling you, man. That's the, impressive. WWE is kind of fallen. Uh, so they, it's funny because they, obviously, the, the all-out pay-per-view for in Chicago. Yeah, sold out within hours, with, right? With a, hey, try like three minutes. Oh, minutes. Oh, that, that fast, yeah. Uh, CM Punk may make an appearance there. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, WWE has their own pay-per-view coming up this Sunday, Stomping Grounds. I want to say it's in Kansas City. Uh, tickets are not selling at all. They, uh, I want to say over half the venue is still open. Really? To get tickets, yeah. So, wow. not a good sign. No, I'm, not, I'm not defending anyone. I mean, but no. obviously, WWE well, not, shows have been around fan. for a while. Yeah. Uh, so, new, something new is always in, interesting. Mm-hmm. But I was just surprised to hear, even on the television side of things, this person said, Oh, it's like the base was like WWE's crap right now, but I mm-hmm. watch it because it's the only thing on on a Monday night or something. No, true. Um, the great thing, by the way, for local wrestling fans is that the next two events for AEW are right here in our backyard. You got the next one in Daytona Beach and then Fighter here Fest. in Jacksonville with the fight for the fall in the yep. next month. All right, so uh, we're going to get to the phone lines. Uh, see, Kuz did have to pick up the phone. We got Ooh. some NBA uh, chatter okay. in just a moment. But before we do that, and before I forget, and because Austin did such a great job reminding me on the whiteboard. <laughs> Very discreetly. <laughs> it's time for a Monday edition of the Happy Hour Award.
grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders, Brooks Kepka, grab a hot beverage, <laughs> sip it on Instagram, and back up that brink truck, baby. Irish, Irish Straight coffee. cash, homies. He made $1.25 million for second place. Uh, <laughs> One point two five million. That's pocket change. It is Brooks pocket Kepa, change for Brooks Kepka. Not for me. I, plenty, I would plenty of coffee though. I would. I would go to jail for that kind of money. But I would, I, I, like hey, seven I trips been, to Starbucks with that. I would have been happy with last place money. I think yeah. they still get paid pretty decent too. Yeah, so they, for sure. I was a little surprised. I thought you were going Tyson Fury. On the Vita de Louis. Oh, no, that too. Uh, I could go Brett Hall, as we'll see in the, <laughs> in the Daniel Wayne segment, but no, I had to go Brooks Kepka. All right. Uh, Vita de Louis, a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Back to the NBA chatter. We said before the break, who won the deal? You sat on the fence. Uh, Stewart and I said the Lakers won. I thought you brought up good arguments, by the way, for I both. Mean, uh, yeah, sitting on that fence, even a... though it hurts sometimes. Uh, Darius is on the phone right now, and I think he has a thought on the NBA. Who won the trade, Pelicans or Lakers, Darius? Um, I'll keep it short and simple. I'll say the Pelicans won, only because of the, the of the development that the Pelicans is about to face. I mean, if LeBron or AD goes down next season, you might as well kiss the season down the drain. But at least with the Pelicans, you know, you have Josh Hart. You have um, you have Brandon Ingram, you have Lonzo Ball, who could potentially, you know, um, probably be candidates for a most improved player. Because you see how their reactions on social media, it seems like they're out for revenge next year. And you, and also my last point, um, the two players that the Lakers traded for, um, and Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell. They're on the verge of becoming all stars. Rondo had a good season last year, and Russell had a good season last year. So yeah, I believe the Pelicans won that trade. All right, Darius, appreciate the yeah. thoughts. Uh, good points too, all around. Uh, there on on the Pelican side of things, and do keep in mind, the Pelicans had to get rid of Anthony Davis. So they had to get something for him, and they got yeah. a lot for him. Uh, exactly. point, and he didn't mention Zion Williamson, who they most likely will have as a number one uh, overall pick. Well, they brought up, he brought up uh, Randall, right? So I, and Randall I, just opted out, right? He opted out, but I, I'm curious to see what they end up doing there. And and then the fourth pick that they have this yeah. year really becomes intriguing because they could try to do some kind of package with maybe, you know, uh, uh, Drew Holiday. You know, they, they don't need him now because they, you know, have Lonzo coming in. you got a young team. Drew Holiday is going to have huge value on this market, and then you package that fourth-round pick with it, too. You could get another really young up-and-comer, and and there you go. You've got a pretty decent team rolling out. You didn't weigh in. Who do you think won? Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) You did? You got AD. I mean, he's... In some camps, is debatably the one of the best players in the NBA, and a lot of people were saying if he wasn't on the Pelicans and being what they were saying held back because they couldn't put the right amount of uh, team around him, could could be the best player in the league. And we could go deep into the stats of why he's always top five in certain stuff. But you have two of the best players, probably top easily top ten, debatably top five now. You, you got it. This is a great scene right here in this radio station right now because all four of us want to say something. Oh, like we are like waiting for you to pause because we yeah. all want to say something. So go ahead, Austin. You're the biggest guy. No, Stuart, Stuart raised his hand. I saw the corner of my eyes. So Stuart made the point of raising his hand. Stuart, take I have to raise my hand because I'm behind these helmets. And you can't see me if Hey, it doesn't take nothing to pick up the helmet and put it on the floor. It doesn't take nothing at all, guys. Well, now 
I can I can look directly at you. Uh, in, in talking about it's a funny anecdote today, I was playing my Jeopardy trivia on the Alexa, and it was asking me a question about the SB Player of the Year in the NBA, and they got me on a hook on it because they're like, "Who is now a Laker?" At the end of the question, the answer was LeBron, but I'm like Anthony Davis. Yeah. Oh, and I'm wrong, good point. But uh, you know. Jeopardy you people. You outthought that one. I outthought it, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I know this. It was just a trend that happened yesterday. Smart. I did. And so, All right, Austin, your turn. Uh, I forgot what you to say. <laughs> Hang on. So, yeah, Coos. So, okay, Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers. Talks about Kemba Walker going to the Lakers as well. But let's just pump the brakes on that real quick. I don't think it'd be a good move. Okay, but I'm just saying from what the Lakers have right now, where do they rank as far as favorites, the way it's set up in the Western Conference. Well, Vegas has him number one. Well, what's well, even that's Vegas, right, What's even worse now is all this this chemistry issues coming out with the Rockets. Like, like yeah. it's there. The, the Rockets are right there now because the Warriors look vulnerable. The Nuggets are up there, I would say as well, but they're kind of young, so you could use that inexperience debate, even though they've got some good experience this year. So the Rockets looked right there, and now they're talking about. Chris Paul and James Harden aren't getting along. They can't get their coach a, a contract. It's like, all right, well, here's your shot, and now you're ruining it. So I would say in they're, they're definitely in the top three in the West right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would change with, like, Kawhi going out there or anything. Because now there's talk. I mean, Jimmy Butler's interested. And that could be another thing. They do have the money to pay one more max. Although I think it would be smart to kind of distribute around and have some bench depth, which is what we saw from the Raptors this year. And why is Kemba Walker going to L.A. not a good idea? Because uh, LeBron... LeBron's, he kind of creates his own play, so the ball needs to be in his hands. Anthony Davis, kind of similar thing, and you could run offense through Anthony Davis. He he was averaging like almost four or five assists a game. So you bring in Kemba, who is a ball-dominant point guard, and and it doesn't necessarily translate to what I think the offense they'll they'll want to try to throw out there, especially with uh, Kuzma kind of probably being that three-point shooter now. So you you don't need a ball dominant point guard although it's interesting because in in Cavs situation they had Kyrie who was ball dominant yeah. and it worked so you could make it happen but i think Kyrie already with the chemistry if you if you had to choose between Kemba and Kyrie i would go that direction All right, a couple of thoughts i think irre- he's one of those irreplaceable players anthony davis is because yeah. there's few players like him like lebron there's nobody like lebron there's nobody like kevin durant mm-hmm. right yeah. uh, there's a lot of guys that kind of play like russell westbrook in a way, I mean, I'm not saying the production, but they, the style of play. There are a few people that can do what Anthony Davis does, and so is there, so well, just to yeah. back up what I what I say, why they won is you've got one of those. Now you have two of those guys, first of all. But when LeBron does go out the door, and you kind of hinted at this, when he does leave two years from now, three years from whatever it might be, you now have another superstar to build around. Yes. So they're going to be positioned really for the next, I would say, good five to eight years, maybe even beyond, to build around their centerpiece of if the NBA stays the way it is right now where you need two stars, three stars, and then the rest, well, now they will right. be able to work around a dominant player in the league for, I think, the next five to eight years, maybe even up to ten years, probably, which is why I think the Lakers did really well here. He's probably LeBron's best teammate, and that's no dig as Wade, that. But, but like Wade would probably be number two. And and really, even like Stephen A. and them were arguing this this morning, and pretty much saying Wade was towards the end of his career. Anthony Davis is twenty six. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's just getting there. Well, arguably, so. he's better than LeBron is right now. Be, I think some people can make that case. I don't believe that. I I just believe if you could make up the, the stat sheet, man, blocks, he does. the guy does it all. You could make the case though. He's depending on how LeBron comes back from injury. That Anthony Davis is a more dominant player now. 
than LeBron. And I see, I still think people are writing off LeBron because he didn't play in this postseason. I mean, we quickly dismissed the fact that LeBron still can play. And I, I'm not to ready Kawhi to do that. last year. He wasn't yeah. in it with the Spurs. So, yeah, I, I think don't we, I can't believe people will sleep on LeBron James. He's not that old yet. Yeah, I don't think he showed signs of that being that old. <laughs> Once we see how he does against the Monstars, everyone's going to change their opinions <laughs> and you're going to see what he can do. Uh, let, let me ask you this. <laughs> Where does Kuzma fit <laughs> into the see the one thing that the Lakers facing? I have no idea what you're even talking about. Wait, oh, what's the space Jam, dude! Come on, Come on. Slam. Austin. Hey, welcome to the gym. <laughs> one one slow uh, summer when yeah. we were doing the basketball podcast, we actually watched Space Jam and broke down the the defensive and offensive mistakes that the uh, Monsters made in that last possession oh. against them. <laughs> How did that podcast do? I love it. Probably not that great. <laughs> Dude, I would have been all done with this. The podcast. Yeah. He's number two behind everybody. Joe Rogan right now. Cruz, one question, though. Do you think it's... Bill Murray should have got more playing time? Or was his, were his knees too shook up where he couldn't get in there anymore? It was load management, you know? Management. They're, working, you, they're working on that. Okay. All right. So I got two things. LeBron James needs shooters around him. Kuzma, yeah. Is it enough, though? It's my point. I mean, he needs, yeah. as he needs like the JJ Redick. You know, he needs the Ray Allen. Don't say that. Yeah, don't say that. That's his boy. I know, from but, but those, he needs those kind of players. Uh, you know, he needs the Clay Thompson yeah. kind. He needs those kind of guys. Well, I don't say needs. I think he's well served having those guys. Yeah. And now, if you can work through Anthony Davis as well, but LeBron gets more people open. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding the guy that will knock down the shot. So, who else are they going to pick up in that? Yeah. I mean, that's what that role. you throw back. You had Mike Miller in uh, Miami. Then yeah. you had Kyle Korver. They brought Kyle Korver, Korver over right. for the Cavs. I mean, Kuzma, in theory, is a younger version of all of that. But I think you need a few options, right? So I think that's part of the plan is find some guys that can hit open shots that, you know, will space the floor for Anthony Davis and LeBron who need to be crashing. Or in Anthony Davis's case, he's going to you know post up down there. I'm going to say this right now. Chris Middleton from Milwaukee Bucks. I think is a free agent at the end uh, this year. Yeah, Bucks got to pay. So him, you, yeah, Bucks better pay him. Is all I'm gonna say. Because uh, if, if he goes to LA, whew, that's right. that's quite the team. I have a couple more thoughts. Uh, Kuzma, does he? Where does he? They wanted to hang on to him. Where does he fit in terms of the trio of stars? Like when when LeBron played in Miami, it was Bosch. Now I think Bosch was completely overrated in terms of the three stars. He was a nice player. He wasn't Dwayne Wade or LeBron James. But he didn't have to be though, Brent. Either I though. understand, That's, but they yeah. sold yeah. it like he was, and he wasn't. But that. Kevin, he was a star Kevin, with Toronto before yeah, that. He was yeah. the man in Toronto. And, Kevin now, and I'm not talking of, about later, and they don't come at me with the yeah, later yeah, in the, yeah, his yeah. career stuff. Right, right, and right. The, I get that. Yeah. I'm saying when he was there, he wasn't. It wasn't like there were no. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. It's it wasn't that. But it's a lot of with LeBron. It's like two big ones, and then like a, a sub star almost. And that's what I'm saying. Kevin Love came in with gaudy numbers and took a little bit of a backseat when Kyrie was there. So that's my point. So is Kuzma that? Is he a poor man's love? Is he? Yeah. I'm not saying style of play. I want to say and part of production-wise, is Kuzma going to grow into this role where he can be as good as those guys I think they as hope. that third person? I think that's the, the hope. Um, but I also think maybe they go out and get a veteran shooter that can kind of show him the way and be the, the either the probably the second guy in that list, when when Kuzma's taking a break, they have this guy who's you know just as efficient coming in and kind of teaching him the ropes. So JJ Reddick confirmed to the Lakers is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he's Jimmy got two Butler? years. I think that he's got another year with the Sixers. Yeah. So. Kuz, what's yeah, Jimmy he's Butler? got another deal, right? Jimmy Butler is is another mm. option. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, see, I I don't know. I, <laughs> 
I mean, the Sixers should bring it back. Not having it. Yeah. I don't know. Butler's a good fit. Yeah. Butler would be a good piece. Butler just, bothered me I this year. I wish you could have saw your face. You look like Brooks kept going mm. next to a hot beverage. Like, you don't have any. Like, ew. Ew. Jimmy Butler to the Lakers? No. Well, I don't know. It's something about Butler this whole year, man. He's just kind of. And I thought he was bad in the postseason. I thought he was just a guy. Don't talk to Kuz. He's going to make him mad. What about Kawhi Leonard? I uh, well, I have audio from the uh, parade. That's pretty funny, actually. We could get to. All right, we'll bring that back. Uh, we've got stay in your lane. We got David Garrard coming up as we celebrate 25 seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars. All on the way on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And uh, I think right now Tyson Fury and Austin Lane will sing us the break. Hot tea sipping Saturday night. Got the girl holding hands tied, and we're going to the swimming hole. It's a country song. They all sound the same. This is in Brent's iPod right now, and he can't get enough of this kind of music. And I, all right, Kuz, knock it out. I'm done. <laughs> Turn the mic off. Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 is brought to you by Best Bet Jacksonville and Orange Park. Most of them saying five more years for Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard. Yeah. Don't plan on it, Toronto people. They started saying one more year, and then Kyle Lowry turns like, wait, no, five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, uh, 50-50, 80-20, uh, zero. What's the chances of uh, staying in Toronto? I put it at 50-50. Really that much? Ooh, wow. I do. This doesn't feel like he's going to stay in Toronto. I'm more of a, like a 20% kind of guy myself. Yeah. Did you, you see the uh, the cactus guy got him the, the plan? Yeah, I saw that. Yep. So the, the yeah. plan from Friday <laughs> made an appearance at the parade. Uh, I saw him signing autographs and stuff. Did you see Drake throwing out jerseys and stuff, all that too? Uh, I mean, but w- was Drake the MVP of the final? I didn't Did you see it? Now, was this right, true or not? I saw something. I forget, Maybe it was late night or someone was making fun of Drake, but they said that he's... <laughs> He's going to design the rings, the championship rings. Oh, is Drake um, going to do that? I wouldn't or be surprised. That a joke? No, I mean I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, he he designed the jerseys, he designed the uniforms. So why not? Drake's the the. <laughs> I don't know the, what you what you'd even call I him, mean, Brent. I, has like Spike Lee didn't get this much of a no. bump off being a Knicks fan? No, I mean maybe yes. Sp- he, Sp- already Sp- ha- Sp- he already he already Spike Lee. But Spike Lee wasn't making the jerseys. Spike Lee wasn't designing the rings. Spike Lee was just talking smack to Reggie Miller. You know, <laughs> like he was, in, he was making movies. I feel like Spike Lee got a pretty good bump off Reggie Miller. Oh though. yeah. Well, but to be fair, though, he's made some pretty good movies himself as well. So <laughs> yeah, he did before. I mean, so that's you know, Drake well, makes some pretty, had good pretty good music. Yeah, right? yeah. So I, mean, I can't. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a hater, I guess, too much. But it's, once again, I guess I'm hating again. Whatever. You're an R&B singer, first of all, so you can't sound like a, a tough guy all the time on the court and everything and then sing just R&B songs. This is my opinion. But Props to the Toronto Raptors and I'm, I'm happy for Drake. Broke the curse. Yes, he surely did uh, break the curse. Hey, uh, 25 seasons of the Jacksonville Jaguars we've been celebrating all month long. Every day in June here on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, no former Jag Austin Lane and we are joined by another former Jag right now. You know this guy. David Garrard, former QB of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, who do you have, Warriors or Raptors? <laughs> Let's go 
We are the North. What's up, fellas? <laughs> We're going to get you on all sports. Who won the Anthony Davis trade, Lakers or Pelicans? <laughs> oh, Lake Show, baby. I'm a LeBron fan, so I'm, I'm all about that. I'm happy AD is there. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get this rock and roll about football, you recently moved. Like, you're on the farm somewhere down where I live, like in St. John's <laughs> County. What do you What's up? What's happening now? How's the family? Yeah, man. We are uh, we, we're on five acres, and I am out there in a chicken coop or doing something out on the farm every day, sweating, because you know it's been 100 degrees and 100% humidity every day. So I love it. Uh, my kids are loving it. You know, we just have more room now. We're, we're free to roam, and uh, we, we couldn't ask for anything better. Well, you're going to have to call. I think Tony Brackens is, like, on a farm in Texas somewhere. He's hard to find. Yeah. Daryl Smith was pro- is probably on a farm somewhere, right? <laughs> probably. You are right about that. And, and you know, I, I remember Tony Brackens, when he left us, they said, yeah, he's going to his uh, cattle farm, and he's going to be, you know, on horseback and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, man, that just, just does not sound right. But that was young me. Now I'm like, man, give me that life. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Well, David, you know what, man? It, it kind of makes sense now because uh, one of my favorite memories of you, uh, this would have been, I think, my rookie year in the locker room, and we, uh, yeah. you know, we always put in charge of who was playing. The, this, I think it was the CD player at the time. It might have been even back then. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'll never forget, man. You, uh, you put in Zach Brown band, and that was one of my very first experiences with the Zach Brown band. I wasn't really into country music at the time, and you, you put on Chicken Pride. And you know what, man? Kind of changed my whole perception about country music. I'm like, this Chicken Pride goes kind of hard, Dave. I see you, man. But you know what? Yeah. You know what? That's hilarious. And that was like, that, that year was country. Like you said, over, and, and I was all about it. So yeah. it was, uh, I was stepping out on a ledge there playing Zach Brown Band in, in the locker room. But you know what? It was all right. Well, it was all right, man. Yeah. There's a pretty yeah. positive reception to it. And I'm a, I'm a country yeah. music guy, and I have them at the, uh, on the tip of my tongue right now, and I can't, uh, come up with it, so help me out. But <laughs> your wife's, what, brother is in a country music yeah. band, uh, begins with a P, right? Parmalee. Parmalee. Oh, there we yeah, go. Okay. Uh, I've actually heard of them too. Yeah, they're <laughs> good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, uh, are they still active, Dave? Yeah, yeah, they're still active. They got a, a number one hit. I think they got a top 15 uh, record as well. And so they're, yeah, they're still pumping out. They live out in Nashville. And, uh, yeah, so they definitely got me uh, into country music, of course. And, um, you know, they, they've put out, I think, three albums now. And uh, they're, they're rocking and rolling. Yeah, they're good. I mean, they're good sound. I, I just didn't know what they were doing recently, yeah. but uh, Parmalee, that's right. All right, well, listen, when you think about the Jaguars' 25-year history, I think a lot of people, especially recent fans, will bring up this play. Steps up. Fires. Mike Sims. Walker. Knocked down. I had forgotten one thing about that play. What's that? Gus Johnson on the call? Oh, yeah. Gus Johnson, hey, he's the man. So, hey, there you go. That must bring a a smile, some chills. Uh, That's Austin Lane's favorite play. I told you when I was getting you on, I said, we got to get you on because Austin's favorite play, the play he brings up 50 different times a week, is that play. (laughs) Goosebumps. And I wasn't even on the field for that, and it was still a great play to me.
Yeah, you know, it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. And it is definitely in my top three of my all-time plays, uh, you know, throughout my whole life. So, uh, yeah, that was a great moment. I mean, any quarterback that throws up a Hail Mary, you know, they're pretty much just thinking, all right, give ourselves a chance here. You know, don't nobody intercept it. Just knock it down, if anything. And uh, when I saw the guy go up to knock it down, I thought, okay, he's just knocked it to the ground. He didn't pick it off and, you know, mess my stats up and all that. <laughs> have, us go, have us go into overtime, and now i got a pick on my hand. He just knocked it down. And when I, I saw I just – saw the crowd go crazy. I'm like, hey, it was a good knockdown, but it wasn't that great. And then I kept looking and looking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, why is Mike Thomas running around the back of the end zone? He must have caught it. It's not just crazy. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, that, that is, that's funny. As I listen to you describe it, you know, it is such a – I don't know what the percentage are. Maybe it's a one percent play. Hey, we see yeah. that enough in sports that that you almost, when you throw it up there, you are kind of like, all right, well, nothing's going to happen here, but let me just throw the best ball I can. How hard is that throw to make? Uh, is it? It looks pretty easy on TV, but I'm sure there's some difficulty in that throw and putting it at a spot that is catchable or crazy enough for something like that to happen. Yeah, you know, uh, each week. Uh, you're practicing that kind of stuff, you know. You don't, you don't do it every day. Uh, luckily for me, I've always been the kid growing up that had, like, the strong arms. So when you're playing, you know, two-hand tag or tackle football, somebody has to throw the ball off. You're not kicking it off. So <laughs> I was always that kid, even from, like, the age of nine. I'm talking about playing with 13, 14, 15-year-olds. I had a stronger arm to throw the ball down the field. So something I've always done. And, you know, um, even in the NFL, playing around with the guys after practice or something like that, we might do longest throw or we might be, we might do, um, who can hit the uprights from 30 yards away and now 40 yards away, you know, all these fun games. So, you know, throwing the ball deep is something that I've always done. And it's always a good time to be able to show off your arm strength, show that you can, you know, throw the ball 65, 70 yards down the field. And, um, so it's something that I took a lot of pride in, being able to hit my mark. And our mark was always two yards into the end zone. Because if you want the ball to be deflected, if it gets deflected backwards, you still got eight more yards you know, to be able to keep it in. And if it gets deflected in front of you, somebody should be able to catch it and then run it in. Because most guys are just trying to defend the ball in the air. They're not trying to defend that guy that the ball might get tip to, and then he can catch it and hopefully get in the end zone. So there's a little bit of strategy to it, you know, but like you said, the percentages are really low, and uh, I've thrown a bunch of them over my NFL and college, even high school career, and this was the only one that was ever caught. So, you know, that, that's – I probably threw 15 of them, you know, maybe 20, I'd say, before, before the half and, you know, at the end of the game – this was the only one that got caught. Damn, man, you're, you're a guy that spent, I believe, nine years in Jacksonville, spent a little time in Miami. Um, you know, you, you've had a little time to reflect now on, on a pretty successful career. Uh, what is the biggest thing that you take away from playing the game of football, especially in the National Football League? You know, um, you hear you hear this all the time, Austin, and I'm sure you can say the same thing. You hear this all the time when you get away from the game and uh, you're retired or you can't play it anymore. 
you miss the guys. You miss being around everybody. You miss the locker room. You miss those fun moments. And uh, it's the same for me. You know, I miss, you know, not having, uh, you know, a facility to go to where I'm there with a bunch of guys that are, you know, either joking around, playing series, whatever it is, winning, losing, we're, we're all doing it together. You don't have those situations anymore. And, you know, you can try to recreate them, you know, here and there. But still, it's just not the same, you know. And, and honestly, you know, I miss a little bit of that structure, too. Mm-hmm. I miss knowing I got to be here for this and got to be this and that. Because now it's just like, okay, what are we doing today now, honey? Uh, all right, sounds good. Let's do it, you know. Go work yeah. on the chicken coop. <laughs> so, so, you know what? I'm staying busy with the chicken coop. And, you know, hopefully some goats are coming soon, those kind of things. But uh, that, that's what I miss the most, just being around the guys and, uh, you know, missing that camaraderie. A little, little, little follow-up question, too. And this is something I haven't asked anybody yet for our series. But one of the things okay. I always remember is we used to always wear Crocs in the locker room. Room, man like it's like the only time we can actually wear crocs and get away with it my question to you <laughs> david is the fact that do you still wear crocs or is, did that kind of get left in the locker room as well man i am still wearing the same crocs with the number nine on them <laughs> right now like literally i would send you a picture from the day of me in the chicken coop <laughs> with me and the crocs are on the crocs are great for the that's, fun that's what I'm, i I believe it. Yeah. You know, and I only go to certain places with the Crocs. I'm like, I'll go to Home Depot and those kind of places. But, you know, I'm not going out to dinner like I see some uh, fathers going. (laughs) Hey, DJ, DJ, you got those same Crocs, right? Well, Austin has the same Vans from when you guys played. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Better believe it. (laughs) You got me on that one. (laughs) All right. I've got both of you guys here. And I've got to ask you, before 2017, it was a lot of not-so-great football seasons around Jacksonville. But the one time, now I came in 2008, David, so it was right after you made the big play against Pittsburgh. You guys had that run. Uh, The one time you guys, I thought, obviously you had it, 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 8-5, 2010. How, How disappointing was that finish to that year with what? you had in front of you guys can can you remember what it felt like during those few weeks did it get a little more tension uh with every loss um uh, and and you the the grasp of the playoffs was slipping away yeah you know um honestly when we went up to indianapolis to play them which was pretty much for the division if we won that game we won the division and, and i felt really good about our chances i felt really good about us being up there and, and we battled uh with them the whole time and we actually had uh, like a third and 11 or 12, something like that. And I had Jason Hill on a corner post that I just threw the ball slightly higher. I think he got his fingertip on it, but it sailed right over him, right into the safety's hand. That was our drive right there to go basically and win the ball game. And we weren't able to do it for whatever reason. We weren't able to do it. And I just felt like that was such a crushing loss for us that not we we couldn't rebound from it but we didn't move forward with any momentum and if things went bad they went bad on us and we just could never recover during that stretch and yes that you know because each week it would be like all right if we can win out we have a ch- all right guys we got two games left we can win these two it, it literally was a chance for us to make the playoffs every week that point forward but we never could get anything going in the right direction for us we never got that momentum back and 
Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a tough way to go out because, you know, in that game, uh, in the Giants game, I hurt my wrist yep. in that game, and so I could not uh, throw the ball very well. I couldn't get the handoffs very well, and I also uh, busted my finger up on uh, in that Colts game, and so it was just it was just a terrible way uh, to go out, a terrible way for me to go out, you know, as a as a Jaguar. Yeah, and to be fair, I allowed Peyton Manning to score 34 points, and it didn't help the, it didn't yeah, help the offense I at all the, either. Yeah, I blame the defense. I'm so really trying to blame the defense, yeah. DG. I was, I was kind of was hoping you would, too. <laughs> no, DG had a really close yeah, response. Man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't do that because we had chances. You know, yeah. the, the uh, you, everybody knows the Colts at that time. Their defense was, you know, just pretty much one coverage, maybe two. But they just relied on their down four guys, you know, and, and they sent them after you the whole game. But we felt like, I felt like if I could just get the ball off, I could make the throws. Now, I might still get hit at the same time, but I felt like I could make the throws. And, and to not make that one on a crucial drive where we were going to go up on them, uh, you know, that was kind of tough for us. David Garrard joining us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with two former Jags with us, of course, Austin Lane and, and uh, David were teammates. You know, and I always have said this. This was a long. David's done a lot with us on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30. So we talk a lot now. But even in those years that we did, maybe between 2011 to 2014 or so, I always said when David Gerard left, I said people are going to think more highly of his career as it gets further away. You yeah. know, they're going to miss what he produced. Mm-hmm. at times for this organization uh, because you know how it was. I mean, if you're winning, it's going well. If it's you're losing, well, the quarterback's getting a lot of the blame. And yeah. I think that's what happened. Listen to what happened after, especially with the Blaine Gabbert years. That was such a struggle. And then Blake Portals had some moments in the last five years, but at the end of the day, that didn't work out either. Uh, I guess the question I have for you, and I don't think I've asked you this one before, is you played in a lot of big games. I mean, the, obviously the fourth and two run is, is epic in this organization's yeah. um, history in, uh, in the 25 years. The Hail Mary we talked about. There's bad moments, good moments. But as a quarterback who has to slow everything down, when you, when you put your head on the pillow at night or when you're watching TV or when you kind of get in the zone and you start thinking back, how much do you see? <laughs> like, do you see like just <laughs> plays still develop in your mind? Do you ever like lose that? as a QB that, that kind of had to live that and see that week in and week out? No, I mean, there's, I mean, now have, have I forgotten a lot of the different plays that, you know, I had throughout my career and in, in the games and I'm like, Oh yeah, I did, I did play those guys at that time. Yes. But there are certain plays, certain games, certain moments that just stick with me and I'll never forget them. You know, so it, you can go the whole 2007 year is in my head. That one is definitely <laughs> stuck bet. with me. You, you remember a lot of the bad ones too, but there's a lot of moments that you know you know, just live with you. I remember in my rookie year, uh, in the last game of the season, playing the Colts in that year, a uh, guy rips my jersey almost in half as I'm scrambling around. I mark it. Um, you know, they, he been injured before, and so Coach, um, Coach uh, is like, hey, we're going to, you know, give you this last start, you know, let's do what you can do, da 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 But the guy rips my jersey, and I got that jersey framed at my house, you know. <laughs> I remember um, the year that I got um, diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and so I came back from that, 
and uh, Byron got hurt for two games, and I had to start against the Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans. Well, the Detroit Lions game went into overtime, and I hit Jimmy Smith on like a 12, 15-yard in cut, and he kept going from like the 50-yard line right into the end zone to win the game in overtime. So there are definitely moments and definitely things, and you know, weird plays that have stuck me for whatever reason uh, that I'll never forget. I bet. Uh, I, could, I just got the feeling like if you're in that arena, and you, you too, Austin, yeah. uh, you know, and you just, well, it's I almost mean, like out of a movie where that fourth and two play in Pittsburgh, you can probably sit, yeah. you almost can smell Pittsburgh well, still. Yeah, and to, to, to be fair, all I remember is the Hail Mary and Joe Cullen yelling at me all the time. That's pretty much all I got left in the old memory bank. But yeah, I remember Joe Cullen yelling at you too. I'm, I'm sure Dave remembers it too, man. I'm sure everybody does. Well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hey, hey, DJ. No, there, there are a lot of good moments, a lot of good times, and and yeah. yeah, anytime you play, you know, Austin, you go back to college or wherever, you know, these moments are going to always be with you. They're always going to be with you, especially when you live in the town where you play. People are always going to bring them up and remind you about them. Without a doubt, so it's re- yeah, it's really cool. I love it. I love uh, whenever I you know I'm listening to the radio and I hear you know one of those plays being played, especially with the. You know, 25-year celebration going on now that somebody seems to be playing something all the time. And it's really cool. It's really cool to be a part of so many of the, you know, top 25 plays that, you know, are going on here with this team. That's really cool for me because, you know, I was just this, you know, small-time kid coming out of East Carolina that, you know, was just hoping to make the team and play for a couple years. That was, you know, my whole goal with this thing. Yeah, that's uh, – do we have David still? Did we lose him for a second? Take a step to your left if we lost you. Oh, there you, you go. You lost me. No, you're, you're, good. you're good. You're down in uh, – you're down the country now. I mean, so we, we might lose <laughs> you from time to time. Uh, hey, let's wrap up with this. We'll let you go. It's been fun uh, visiting with David Garrard, former Jags QB, and you were hitting on it too. I think it's a great success story. People lose track of that fourth-round pick out of East Carolina and look at the career David Garrard had in a Jags uniform. Uh can you? There are a lot of fans that obviously have been around for all of it, uh, who remember all the poignant moments. Uh, there are a lot of new fans too, though. Uh, people that have moved into town, and some that might yeah. not remember and know the whole Byron Leftwich to David Garrard handoff and Jack Del Rio <laughs> making that decision. I mean, can can do you remember? Can any kind of inside like? Uh, uh, emotion or what that day was like for you on your side of it. We can yeah. only imagine what it was like for Byron Leftwich, but on your side of it, what was that moment like and did you anticipate it at all? Uh, so I'll give you a little lead up to that moment. I am in the player's lounge asleep on the couch while all the cuts are going on and we're going to have a team meeting later that afternoon, after all the cuts have been going on, so coach can announce the team, you know, all the guys that have made it. And so I'm asleep. I'm just waiting for the team meeting, and hopefully nobody taps him on my shoulder and says, hey, you're being uh, cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somebody wake. can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yep. Okay, so somebody wakes me up on the couch, and they're like, hey, Dave, everybody's been looking for you. I'm like, oh, my God, am I late for the meeting? I hope, you know, you guys are just let me sleep here. They're like, no. You're you're the starter. They cut Byron, and I think it was uh, Reggie Hayward telling me this. And I'm like, man, get out of here, man. You know, at this time, guys, you know, unfortunately, like to joke with you, and you know, they come running and get you and say you've been cut and that kind of stuff, even though you're not. It's just messing with you. 
So I said, man, whatever. So I, I walked over to my, my locker and I thought, you know, let me just get ready for this meeting. Uh, then somebody else comes running in. Hey, Dave, man, where you been? I'm like, I've just been sleeping on the couch. What, what is everybody bothering me for? <laughs> man, you are the starter. Byron has been cut. Look at his locker. Look at all the stuff that's gone. I'm like, oh, my God, maybe they're, maybe they're being serious, you know, because now I'm like, is Byron in on this? And he go move his stuff around the corner so that they can joke with me? I mean. Oh, it's been done. It, it, yeah. gets, it gets pretty bad. So uh, they're like, no, Coach wants to talk to you down in his office. And so then I walk down to Coach uh, Del Rio's office, and he's like, Dave, hey, you know, we, um, we're, we're naming you the starter. We, we're letting Byron go. We believe in you. We feel like you, have, uh, you can, you know, uh, and do better for the team and, and give this team a better chance to win. So I was like, oh, gosh, this is really real. There's no way coaches in on this prank, so this has got to be real. And he said, hey, just take off. I'm going to cancel the meeting this afternoon. we got a lot of media and stuff that's going to go on, so you know, get home to your wife. And I am trying my fastest to get home to my wife. I'm calling her on the phone. She's pregnant, and uh, I'm, like, stuck on 95 in the worst traffic ever. And I'm like, man, this can't be happening. And then I finally get home, and we are just jumping outside in our yard of how excited we are. And at that time, a a news truck rolls down the street. I'm like, oh, my gosh, babe, get inside. Let's get inside because they're going to see us dancing on the front lawn. Sorry about that, Dave. I know it was you coming. Uh, it was uh, it was a great moment. Um, it was a great time. I knew the way that I was playing in training camp that I was playing well. I never thought that you know I would be. So when you asked me, did I have any inclination or anything? I had no clue whatsoever. I thought when it was being told to me that it was a joke, but I knew that I was playing well that that off season. I knew training camp. I had been playing well. We, I knew. That Green Bay Packers game that was um, the, the Thursday night, you know, primetime game for the country. I like had two touchdowns and I was just playing really well. I knew that I was making a name for myself. I, I didn't think it was, you know, to be named the starter. How about that? Uh, really good backstory on David Garrard getting named the starter uh, way back then and then played a lot of football for the Jacksonville Jaguars and some really fun memories along the way. Pittsburgh, Austin's favorite, the Hail Mary, of course, and uh, a lot of teammates along the way. DG, go uh, check out the chicken coop, man. Get to work and, and tell yeah. the family hello. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes with us. Hey, guys, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Austin. No problem, man. Good to hear from you. All right. Uh, David right. Gerard, uh, former Jaguars quarterback, uh, chiming in. You know, it is interesting, and it shows you the business, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to bring it up because I thought that was a good way to end it with that story. Yeah. But the but the full circle part of it for David Gerard mm. is really one of the bad moments in this franchise's history is the way he got released. Yeah. And they introduced the entire team at a luncheon, mm-hmm. which they do. They meet the public, and it was uh, – uh, I think it was at the Prime Osborne, not sure, but it's yeah. downtown. Big lunch, everybody's getting on the buses, and I think the story is when basically he got getting on the bus back after they introduced him to the public as the quarterback. Yep, I was and, on that bus, yeah. And and when they're getting off the bus, they told him he was cut. Yeah, um, that was my first, so this is my second season going into my second year, and this was my first experience when I realized that the NFL was a business and it's not. Um, it's not about loyalty. Because, you know, Dave was there my rookie year. He was he was the quarterback, you know. Um, I think he might have said, like, two games he got hurt a little bit. But, I mean, he he was the quarterback. He was the, he was the leader. And then going into the second season where 
everything was expected where he was going to be the starting quarterback again. You know, he had really good training camp. Um, we were very optimistic that we were going to do good that year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we do the luncheon. They announce the starters. David's announced the starter. Uh, we get back on the bus, and I'll never forget, we pull up to the gate, and uh, they asked David to get off the bus before we did. And that was kind of a weird thing. And then um, we see him talking, whatever. So I didn't think much of it, Brent. You know, I mean, we we got Tennessee in six days. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I'm just trying to make it in the NFL. I'm not worried about what's going on with, with David, uh, with all due respect. And then we get into the locker room, and the stuff's gone. And uh, I remember at first I thought it was like someone playing a prank, but then I was like, well, why would they? Because, I mean, that's kind of a standard thing in locker room, especially during training camp. Yeah, is guys like moving, Yeah, like guys moving to your pads and everything. But then his nameplate was off, and it was it was David Garrard. So I was like, man, why would they do that? They wouldn't play that joke on him. And then we found out it was a real thing. So it was just a, it was a crazy... Crazy scenario. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It really is one of the bad looking moments in, in Jags history yeah. uh, off the field of what they did, the way that thing went down, the way it was handled. And really, it was the start of, I think, uh, panic on the part of Jack Del Rio. Now, he's trying to save his job at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. It ended that way because Dave just shared the story about how it started. Well, and, and, him, and Dave you know, mentioned and it was that Del story. Rio making that, that big decision. Dave mentioned that story, and that's all I could think about, Brent. That's was, right. Was it was like on that he was bus. trying to... We it was did full it. circle, man. I remember we dug out the stories of, of Jack introducing Gerard and mm-hmm. making that call and meeting the media back in the day of what David was just talking about. And you couldn't help but feel like... Jack Del Rio was trying to do it again. He's yeah. saying, I got a gut that this might work instead. Well, what it led to is, I think, Josh McCown. Mm-hmm. Did he just say he retired today, actually? McCown? I, I believe I so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that awful game in the Jets two two weeks in, mm-hmm. and then a, a hurry up and get Blaine Gabbard in when he was not nearly ready to play football mm-hmm. at the NFL level and for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it led to, eventually, I think, uh, you know, the end of, of Jack Del Rio's time yeah. here in, in the city. So amazing how it comes full circle in yeah. the NFL. You talk about it a lot, the, the loyalty, the lack of the business the, the business side of it. Everybody's trying to win. Everybody's trying to make the, the right moves. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I think the lesson there, too, though, is even for a player, right? And maybe this is more of a life lesson uh, that, you know, when Gerard gets the good news and he goes and celebrates at home, is you better handle the situation with the other guy pretty classy as oh, yeah. far as classy as you can, because it's going to happen to you on the other side yeah. at some point. Age is going to catch up. The business is going to catch up. Yep. And it went full circle here in Jacksonville uh, for David Gerard. But uh, pretty good stories back there for DG. Uh, we appreciate him jumping on. We've got some more guests lined up. Uh, some former Jaguars. We celebrate 25th season of the team here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Let's end the show with a little stay in your lane. Alright, going a little cruise control. Listen, Brent, uh, the Blues victory parade did not disappoint. I think next Albert Pujols, Marshall Falk, uh, maybe Mark McGuire, uh, Kurt Warner. I apologize if I'm missing anybody at St. Louis. I don't really care. Uh, Brett Hall is by far one of St. Louis's favorite sons. And check out him singing the song during the parade. Uh, let's just go with, if you thought the forecheck of the St. Louis Blues was aggressive, Brett Hall's alcohol level is even more aggressive oh here. Okay, I guess Coos is having problems finding it. Gerard steps up. That's good. That's not Brett Hall singing Gloria. <laughs> they are the champions. Mother. Glory, Gloria. Gloria, Gloria. I think I got your number, Gloria. 
Oh, man. Brett Hall is like that uncle at the wedding that you and your friends try to get extra drunk just to make a scene because it's so awesome. But, like, the family's like, don't give him any more alcohol. That's what I feel like Brett Hall is like, man. Like, you can't help but love the dude. He looks to have a good time. He's kind of like the, the Ric Flair of the hockey world. So Brett Hall, uh, I know, again, not a ton of hockey talk, but sure. I feel like he's underrated. Yeah. Term, he doesn't get brought up enough. Or well, does he? No, I mean, in the he, hockey circles, he's probably an immediate go-to. He is a go-to um, with help of his dad as well, yeah, Bobby. Course, you know, yeah. so um, well that's why it's easier to be overlooked. Too. But, no, but absolutely. But I think the biggest thing that's lacking for him is he never won a cup. You never got to hold it up. You yeah. know, so I think that uh, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> but now he's singing glory. But now he's singing glory, man. That, that meant more than anybody. Fully lit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Brent. Uh, oh, Brent, get ready for this one. And Kuz, get, get the button I was hoping ready. there was something to follow that. Dude, because I'm not sure. Well, Kuz is asking me if, if he curses in this video. I don't think he does. I, I didn't think we're okay. listen, so. Oh, great. Well, we're going to find out. What the heck um, did you guys do all hey, weekend? Hey, Brent, if you thought uh, Jalen Ramsey was a big deal on Twitter, uh, OJ Simpson oh, is now on Twitter. But you know what, You Brent? follow him? I know, because you know why? I don't care. I wasn't born when O.J. Simpson played football, and he didn't play for Green Bay when I was a kid, so I don't care. I was six years old when O.J. Simpson's infamous Bronco video was shown across TV, and I didn't really know what was going on. You yeah. were just playing with your Matchbox yeah. cars. I mean, yeah, it was a cool Maybe truck. Maybe a white Bronco. Going to be honest, cool truck, but I didn't care. Uh, a couple years later, he's put on trial for murdering somebody. I care. That's pretty messed up, obviously. He was found innocent but proven guilty in civil court. Didn't really care because didn't know what civil court was. And now you want to come on Twitter like there's Will Smith or Tom Brady. Check out this uh, audio from his intro here. Hey, Twitter world, this is yours truly. Now, coming soon to Twitter, you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. Now, there's a lot of fake OJ accounts out there, so this one... At the real OJ32 is the only official one. So this should be a lot of fun. I got a little getting even to do. So God bless. Take care. Okay. Set aside from the getting even, which is just absolutely creepy, obviously. Yes. I mean, put the asteroid directly into the earth right now. Let's just call it a day. Because honestly, what is going to happen from OJ Simpson? Is he going to be an influencer now? Is he going to be the guy that's promoting Omaha Steaks? Omaha Steaks are grass-fed, 100% free-range beef killed the right way. Take it from me, OJ. Use code word OJ to get 25% off the first purchase. Like, what's going to come of this, OJ? Nobody cares about your Game of Thrones opinions. No one cares about your NBA opinions. I don't get it, and I don't get the infatuation with it. Well, I would think if he's going to endorse something, Isotoner might be the right thing. <laughs> Use keyword OJ and get 25% off Isotonal gloves. But honestly, Bren, I just, and we talked about it before, we live in a society where we glorify, uh, you know, all these bad dudes. And listen, no offense, OJ, but you're a bad dude. I don't, I don't get it. One correction, uh, Josh McCown is retiring. Luke McCown was the quarterback here. Ah, uh, yes, McCown, yes. So I got them all mixed up. Uh so, and OJ, one thing I didn't notice about that video is in halfway decent shape. All right, Ben. Was, is well, he in his 70s well, now? Go ahead and follow him then. Get some workouts. No, is he in his then. 70s? I have no idea. Probably. Was a great football player. Uh, once again, I wasn't born yet. Neither so. Was I. <laughs> I mean, I'm, hey, listen, I'm 71. Sure. 71. 71 years old. All right. Hey, we'll give away Guns N' Roses tickets tomorrow. 25th season, the Jag celebration continues with the former Jag player. So much more. If you missed the show, check us out on the video platforms or on the Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 podcast. For Austin Stewart, Coos, I'm Brent Martin. We'll see you on TV. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.